Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special off-season edition of Hotline League because Worlds is over. We're done. It's moved. We're finished with it. It's we're we. There's nothing else to talk about. Uh, we the games are done, and so now we're talking about off-season, and that's what we're doing here on this episode. Right, Mark? It was so funny as soon as energy lost immediately the front page was just flooded with uh roster rumors and stuff like that about who's going where c9 jojo uh you know all that kind of stuff so dude i feel like the team owners just waited they're like oh now that energy is uh has lost we can just start to like turn on the distractions bring out the circuses and bread I appreciate that they waited and gave the full attention to NRG getting three zero brutally, and then they they kicked off the rumor mill. <laughs> well, speaking of NRG, we have uh, a special guest on the show tonight. It's none other than Jonathan, who up until earlier this morning, I believe it was, was the general manager of NRG. How's it going, Jonathan? It's as far as days go, I've definitely had better, mm-hmm. but honestly, not the worst. It's a bittersweet day for sure. Yes, uh, I will. I'll say that this might be the first time we've ever had somebody on so quickly after the departure from their previous role, and so I'm hoping that you'll sit here and you'll you'll stand up and you'll scream to the heavens. <laughs> And curse Andy Miller's name and and leak every single thing that you can about your yes, team, exactly, former, exactly. former team, excuse me. Yes, and that's and that's what's coming on tonight's episode of Hotline League. So stick <laughs> around for that. Uh, big shout out, by the way, to Alienware for sponsoring this episode. We love Alienware; it's great to have their support on the show. But uh, before we get into off-season fun and talking about energy and worlds and all this stuff. Uh, Mark, do you want to, what's been going on with you lately? Oh God, I don't even know, dude. I feel like, I feel like it's a, a bad weekend or month for, for movies. We were looking at the AMC, you know, listings about what we want to use our, our A-list on and there's absolutely nothing we're that uh, interested what, in. Marvel, Marvel's, the Marvel's? Marvel's isn't out yet, I don't think. Oh, it comes out this week. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's not out yet. So like maybe, maybe we'll go to that, but we usually don't like going to things as they premiere. Killers of the Flower Moon. Eh, Priscilla, eh, you know, just just not that interested. Uh, I'm slamming through Cyberpunk. I the game, I'm enjoying it, but I did a lot of the side content first, and like I feel like my progression has stopped, but I'm still leveling up. There's no perks I want anymore, like my builds online, and that's kind of awkward. I still have so much like the main story left to go, and I just like the side content is done. I don't know, but it was I'm enjoying it uh it's all 2.0 stuff and then other than that i bought spider-man 2 to try that i played about 25 minutes and i'm gonna i'm gonna refund that because i just don't really i saw a video last night of you playing it while the cat was sitting in front of the television bro he was in sitting in front of the button prompts i was getting my ass whooped because he was just body blocking yeah do you think uh, the game would be better if it the cat wasn't body blocking the the controller prompts no it's not that the game's not good i just like i played it for like you know, 30 minutes. And I was like, I know what this game is. I played this game 25 years ago. It's a better version. It's a much, much better version than I played 15 years ago or whatever, but it's, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to do Alan Wake 2, Papa Smithy instead. I'm going to refund this and get Alan Wake 2. 
one of my favorite things that's happening right now is that in chat, Jonathan's financial advisor is uh, <laughs> is talking to him and is like, I just learned <laughs> that your financial situation has changed from Twitter. So, uh, you know, esports has, has a lot of great moments like this that I love. Yeah, that's uh, my bad, Jeff. That's uh, that's on me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, for me on my end, I went to BlizzCon and I should say that Blizzard gave me a ticket and invited me. And so I really appreciate they did that. I got to hang out with friends, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I will, I will try Warcraft Rumble because of the fact they invited me. That's, that's how much I appreciate it. That being said, I do not feel bad talking about this because I saw this a ton on the BlizzCon subreddit. Wow, that convention was not well handled. Um, I've gone to, I think, almost every BlizzCon except for the first, and I think I missed the 2017 one, I think, because I was at a wedding or something. Uh, and this BlizzCon, from an experience perspective, was so was poor. Like, And I think it wouldn't have hurt so much if, and again, my, my ticket was free, but... It was $300 as the base price for all these other tickets to go. And that's the most expensive it has ever been. And then they just offered a way worse experience than anybody has ever received before at these things. Like, there's just not much to do. The lines were really terrible. If you spent like the money on the really expensive portal pass, like, there was not, you're supposed to get early access into the hall and there were not great, there's not great signage for that. Like, basically, after the first day, I just went home because uh, I was like, oh, I've, I can stick around for day number two. But I was like, "There's, I don't know what else there is to do. They used to have like three or uh, maybe two or three panels going at any given point in time. And they just didn't have, they had one panel going at at, at, at a time. It just was, uh, they moved the, they used to have a concert night. And then they also separately had a community night. They moved those together. Like it, it was just a, uh, I don't know. I I was I I hope that the Microsoft acquisition and all that stuff makes that that event fun again because I feel like they just it, maybe it would not have stung so much if the price had not increased. But boy, golly gee, it was we're going to charge you a lot more for a lot less uh, this year. So I don't know. I I do appreciate the invite. I'm glad I went and I got to hang out with friends and stuff. And I am the new WoW cinematic is so beautiful. It's one of the maybe the best cinematic I've ever seen from an artistic perspective in gaming. Um, but I was, yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed in, in the way they handled a lot of the conventions. So that was, uh, that was Mark and my updating on, uh, non usual stuff. Um, well, Steve is in the chat. He says they used to have esports events. I know they had a, they had an overwatch league thing and the, or overwatch world cup thing. And they also had a wow, uh, thing that I think the, the TL team was competing in, but, Dude, it's so funny, Mark. This time of year, you know, like we'd ever see these. Well, every now and then we'll see like Jack pop up or maybe Papa Smithy. Right now, we have Steve and Papa Smithy and Jack and I think somebody else. All I'm trying to remember. Well, who. we have Jonathan as well. Yeah, Jonathan's on the show. Um, but it's just he would be in Twitch chat if he wasn't on the show. He is actually true. still. On I'm Twitch still. In, chat I'm, as well. I'm, in, I'm in there, bro. <laughs> I'm never leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's everyone being like, what leaks have they heard? Time to see what the what the rumors are going around. Yeah, Kels, Kelsey from EG, uh, all the teams, all the team folks are here. Yeah, we got the whole gang here. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, an, an arrow. An arrow. arrow. <laughs> so wait, we Literally have, we have just... representation of what six teams right now? Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Oh, all right. Anyway, so let's get Travis, Travis. Just leak everyone's roster right now. Everything that you think you know. Yeah. You you normally do that video. Just do it live in front of these teams. Okay. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I will. When should when should I start talking about that stuff? But let's talk to uh, let's talk I, to Jonathan. Let's talk a little to bit. Jonathan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Hello, Jonathan. Uh, so. First off, let's talk a little bit about Worlds and energy and that experience. Because um, you just got back from Korea a couple days ago, right? Yeah, so I landed on Friday and tried my best to fight jet lag by doing the like don't sleep strategy, which would have been great if I could sleep more than four hours. For whatever reason, I couldn't do it, and so I've been I've been slowly getting back to it, but mostly 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 ish back to normal. Yeah, what was the uh, what was it like? Because how long were you in Korea for? We left on, I think, the 14th of September for our boot camp. So we were there for, like, over a month, almost like almost a month and a half or so. Yeah. And and so you were there for so long. Obviously, things didn't go the way that you wanted and just a, you know, a couple of days ago uh, for quarterfinals. But overall, you know, what do you think of the experience and, and having NRG, you know, I guess outperform so many people's expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think it was super cool because for a lot of us, it was either our first time at Worlds ever or like the first time in a very long time. Like I think Contracts kind of had that story in the past of this, you know, amazing C9 run that he had done. And then it was just kind of nothing at Worlds for him for a while. So I think going back, like even I think some of the T1 players in a scrim were saying that like, I think it was their coach or something was a fan of Contracts from his previous run at Worlds. But obviously he hasn't been there for so long that he's never gotten a chance to say hi to him. And so like mid scrim. They're like, you should come over and take a picture with him. And he went over and took a picture with him in the middle of a scrim block. So like, there was a lot of cute, fun moments in the like where all the teams are in the you know the same hotel practicing together, where you kind of get to interact with all these people that you've only really seen on broadcasts. Yeah. And for a lot of the players that had never been, like, it was super, super like insane, like life changing experience that really makes them want to go again, all all of them much more. So, I think for a lot of people it was super cool. Uh, the boot camp at the beginning was really awesome. We had actually had a really good setup that was like just outside of Seoul where. We kind of had all this cool food in different places to explore that was something unique that none of the players had been to before so we kind of had like the best of both worlds of having this like somewhat isolated boot camp where we all got to hang out and grab a lot of food together and just kind of like grow as a team a little more than we already had and then this like harrowing worlds experience where we're kind of thrown into the the meat grinder of like swiss just getting thrown to back to back to back games and i think the team really kind of rose to the occasion and i was i was super proud of everything that we did honestly yeah no it's been uh, uh oh go ahead mark no, no, you ask a question first. I was going to ask about the Swiss stuff. You you do that because I was going to ask about quarterfinals. Uh, well, what do you, what was it like on the team side? Because I think um, as fans, obviously, it was great. Uh, I don't know. Did, did you have Worlds GMing experience prior to this? I'm trying to think. Oh. No, this is my okay. first time ever GMing a team to Worlds. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess you might not have the exact comparison of you know what it's like, but FBI at least played uh, at Worlds um, in the old format and stuff. Like, what was it like behind the scenes with Swiss? Was it more chaotic? I assume, but were were players happy with the format? Like, we've heard a lot of fans like it, but I haven't I haven't heard too many players say honest feelings on it. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a learning curve for a lot of the the teams to know like how best to kind of go into it. Because I think for a long time with Swiss, people got used to the like the two weeks where it was like at the beginning it was two completely separate weeks, and then they kind of like blended together a little bit. Where it was like a ten day sprint with like a little mini break in the middle. 
So like yeah. you kind of had that reset. I think to get to that reset, you kind of had to like do better than O2 because that O3 game happened pretty early. But then you got like a little bit of a break if you got a better record than that. So most teams kind of got to feel a similar thing. But I think the beginning is definitely super chaotic because you don't know your opponent until they finish the play-in section of the tournament. So you kind of are going in very blind to like what your matchup could be. Whereas in the past, like they would draw a lot of the world groups a little bit earlier and you'd at least have a pretty good idea of who's going to be in your group. Whereas in this system, it's basically like you pool, if you're pool one, you can pull any pool four team, which for us was like, you can have LPL four, LCK four or two mystery teams from the mystery play-ins. And <laughs> you can't prep for that. <laughs> it could be one of like, you know, six different teams that could potentially make a run. So I think the beginning was super hectic. The between rounds was insanely hectic because you could play like the first game of a day and you don't know your opponent until the whole day wraps and they do the draw show. And then it's like instant, instant quick turnaround. You got to do like side select. You got to do your, your strategy for the next day, do a huge draft meeting overnight. And then if you're, again, it's another early game the next day. It's like, you know, you got to get in the shuttle a few hours before your game even starts because you got to drive over there, do hair and makeup and all the prep stuff. So it's it's definitely a huge sprint and very different to what a lot of the, the LCS is. But I think probably compared to last year, it's a little less hectic once you're in it, but still just as hectic, like kind of going through the process of back to back games. Yeah, at least there's no three game kind of three different team day to close out groups. So yeah, at the, I think at the tail end maybe it's a little little easier because you're just prepping one best of three against the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I that stuff seemed unfun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I obviously people were super excited about you guys making it to quarterfinals. I have an interesting experience that maybe the three of us can talk about. I recorded an interview or not a video um, interview, but a video before the start of energy's quarterfinals match it was earlier in the day and i was just kind of reflecting on hey look how much of an achievement this is this is how great it is that this has happened etc and i i intentionally did not release it for a little bit because i wanted it to serve as like a time capsule because i remembered what happened when team liquid made finals of msi everybody was like this is incredible what a huge moment for north america blah 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 blah, blah. and now the only thing people remember is how quickly they lost in that match. And so I released that video today and it doesn't have a terrible like to dislike ratio or anything like that, but my God, are there so many negative shitty comments um, that are just coming out where like people, people will find any justification they can. And I think the majority of these are LCS fans, right? Or North American fans. They're not even like, it's not like the European fans coming in and brigading the video. And they're just like, no, quarterfinals making quarterfinals is not success what a joke region this only happened because g2 uh you know like they choked or something they're the better team blah 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 blah. and it's very demotivating because it feels like even when we outperform expectations even when we outperform eu people are just waiting for the next time the boot falls for them to hop on the train and like shit on the region. And I just, am like looking at these comments because I read the, I know everybody says don't read the comments. I read the comments on my YouTube channel. I think it's good to watch, to look at all that. Um, and, and it's just a bit of, it's a bit of a heartbreaker, I guess, to, to see all that stuff. Uh, I'm con- curious, like how you are holding up Jonathan. Cause obviously it's like really exciting when the team, you know, does the impossible beats G2's first seed best, best team ever to make it uh, or best Western team ever. You guys, you do this. And then, you know, obviously you just have a really rough 
So I'm sure you've had a decent amount of time reflecting on it on the plane and getting over here and all that stuff. So what are your kind of thoughts on on what all this means? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really common, especially in League, to lose the, like, the journey element of any given story and kind of just look at, like, where things end up. So, like, a lot of the teams in the past would always say, like, oh, well, this team made it to quarters and this team died in groups. But, like, no one looks at the story of how each group panned out because that kind of gets, like, that kind of gets lost into, like, the lore of the world. So, like, there was a lot of years where C9, when I was on C9, actually, where we would kind of have to, like, pray that, like, T1 would win a specific game in the group stage to try and, like, avoid tiebreakers and, like, squeak out of groups. And a couple of times it happened. And it's, like, no one's going to look back and be like, dang, thank God T1 went 5-1 in that group and, you know, C9 was able to get out. Because that's just, that's too in the weeds, right? They're just going to see, well, C9 made top eight, so therefore C9 had a great run that year. I think the same thing kind of happens this year where like in the future people will forget the context of like who we had to play in Swiss or like the specific stories and they'll just see they made it to top eight, no other Western team did, and then they lost to Weibo. Dang, the West might suck, but at least Energy had a good run. And that's probably going to be like where the narrative settles. But like, I think right now we're still kind of like in the recency. So a lot of people are going to be like really tunneled on like the part of that story that they kind of like either don't agree with or really like resonated with. So like the NA fans are going to hold on to like the great Swiss performance. The the haters are going to be like, well, they got three out, so it doesn't matter. There's always going to be something for someone to grab onto. But I think like, at least in my experience, most of the NA versus EU specific matchups that actually happened at Worlds usually didn't go super great for NA or they were, you know, slightly losing in those head to heads. So having like a year where there were multiple wins by the same team beating multiple EU teams is I think at least like a pushing back against the narrative and hopefully kind of shows like that there's a very high level of parity between those two regions. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good answer. I, I can't add too much onto it. I mean, I'm definitely already in the like, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, like, obviously I, I would like to have had a more competitive showing. Even if we did lose to Weibo, I would have preferred if we beat Weibo, you know, like in terms of draws, that's not the worst draw to hope to make top eight, you know, um, or top four, excuse me. But, you know, like at the end of the day, like this is still better than I think. Because like Travis and I were talking about last week, when TL lost, we were we were dooming and glooming. Like we were like, oh, fuck, we lost to Vietnam and yada, yada, yada. And you can already see that kind of like washing away of, of history happen as soon as you guys beat G2. And suddenly yeah. that's not the main <laughs> narrative for our region, you know? So like to that point about exactly how you got there or, or whatnot, you know, like I feel like. Um, hopefully people just remember that this was a pretty good world's run from an upstart group that had a pretty crazy summer as well and stuff like that. I I see a lot of people in the chat being like, oh, Travis doesn't realize these are just EU fans invading his comments. They're, I mean, go look at the video. I don't think the majority of them are. I actually think that North America has this weird kind of like self-loathing about it where <laughs> the fans themselves you know, going into an event, they're like, yeah, we're a joke region. Yeah, we're whatever. And then obviously whenever something like this happens, they're just waiting to come out and be like, see, even if we made quarters, it's whatever. It, it is, I think, a lot of cases, North American fans. And it reminds me a little bit of the other video I did uh, when I was at Worlds where I was asking LCK fans what they thought of North America and North American fans or LCS fans. And one of the comments was like, oh, you know, I hear the region is dying or LCS is dying. So maybe the fans should work together to put some support and love into the space to like try and try and help it out. And I actually thought that that was really inspiring. And I do think that, I mean, the people who I I'm not saying that people need to be super delusional and be like, guys, we're actually the best region ever, blah, blah, blah. But I do wish that people didn't love to just 
kick ourselves when we're down. You know, it's it's like so many NA fans are are running. You know, EU is kicking us as we're down on the ground, and they're like shoving past, shoving past, clearing the pathway, and then they just start kicking us too. And um, I just I I would love to see folks be a little more supportive and positive of our own region and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean that I I did a fair amount of shit posting last episode about. You know, just like taking a lot of the conversations that happen after NA does poorly and framing them from for like EU people. But to be honest, that wasn't like specifically for negative EU fans. That was for all negative fans. And a large number of them are, like you said, the NA self-loathing fans. And it's just funny to me where like people are going to be like, oh, well, this was like a disappointing end for NRG because they didn't win a game in quarters. And it's like, bro, no one has won. No one from the West has won a game in quarters since 2020. All right, 2021, 2022, and 2023, no one has won a game in quarters, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe did, C9 didn't get one, did they? I'll double check, but like, I'm pretty sure no one won a game that year either in quarters. Yeah, they did not. Yeah. So, like, guys, this is 100% in line with what we've been doing the last three years. It's just... Like, you can be disappointed that our regions aren't better, but this is in no way different than, like, what has become the norm. Um, you can say it's it's the LPL4, but it's like, guess what? The, the fucking LCK4 won Worlds last year. Like, these aren't fucking bad teams just because they're a fourth seed. You know, like, I was kind of poo-pooing them. I was like, this is our chance, yada, yada, yada. Guess what? They're still pretty good. What do you know? Oh, well. Happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm not too bad, bent out of shape about it. I, I think it's just, like, the kind of, like, the U.S. is often just like from the perspective thinks that they're the best at everything that they do, you know. But like, guys, we're we're a small country at the Olympics, you know. Like, if we if we medal, we're happy, you know. Like, that's the perspective you need to have, and I, I think people just sometimes struggle adjusting that. Um, but that, that's what I've had for a long time. Yeah, I feel like there's also a pretty big like common trend in like at least North American sports where like there's some teams that are just kind of like the perennial bad teams and they're just like waiting for their year where like they've accumulated draft picks and like they've decided to put a little bit more money in and like you know things line up and just it happens for them and they get the run but until that happens they're like the biggest haters of all time but they tune into every game they draft all like half the players on fantasy thinking that they're not bums and they're going to work out and it just never works out and so like when they come to LCS they're like Oh, this team, you know, they're so good. They're so good. And they cheer for them the whole year. And then they lose it. We're like, oh, I fucking knew it. They're so bad. And it, the cycle continues. And we're kind of like our own biggest fans, but also our own biggest haters. It's yeah. it's funny because I see in in Twitch chat, I see some folks who are being a little negative. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people are like, yeah, this is fair. This is reasonable. Yeah, you know, it should be better. Then I, I turn my head to my left or I have YouTube chat and... Boy, and that's you know what I'm starting to realize the difference of the two platforms is what I guess I'll say is like the YouTube folks are a lot more uh you know here to to be like, well, what about Gam defeating TL? How does that fit in with your imagination? And you know, we've been getting dominated for over a decade. That's why people are so negative and stuff. I'm now realizing how does Gam fit into beating TL bro look at all the worlds in the past there's plenty of times where fucking flash wolves or the other regions have beaten us at times it happens it happens hand wave it away that's what you do to that you hand wave it away yeah uh what was it fucking uh it wasn't team Wales who was who was the second seed last year from the PCS who beat fucking 100 thieves in a best of one like yeah, it happens Ongu Buffalo or whatever it was yeah I f- no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Oh, it was CT, BCS. It was, CTBC. Yeah, like yeah. CTB fucking flying oysters. Yeah. To, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it happens. Guess what, guys? When you're not that great, shit happens sometimes. That's what I'm saying when I'm saying, like, this is, like, people act every year like it's this shocking thing that it happened. And it's like, where have you been the last decade? Like, when Flash Wolves was beating us when we needed a win. Or, like, you know, these these minor regions were doing this to us. Like, it always happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every time we had a PCS or three, VCS but... team. Yeah, every time we had, like, a PCS or VCS team in our group, we would always be like, yeah, this is the year NA gets out. And they would win that one game. And that one <laughs> yes. game, once you fast forward to the end of week two, that was the game that mattered. Oops. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. very true. All right, so we talked about worlds and all that stuff, but uh, Jonathan, I'm sorry to make this a little personal, but you seem to be in okay spirits. I have to ask. You have this sort of historic run where CLG uh, you know, starts to rise last year, you run back the roster for spring, uh, then you know, new management comes in, you make a, a change in the bot lane, wow, this team's doing better. Wow, they made finals, but they can't win. Oh, they they win finals. Oh, my God. Okay, well, they're probably not going to do great at Worlds. Well, the only Western team to make it out. And then you come home. You deal with some jet lag. And on uh, Monday, uh, less than a week after everything, you've been let go from your position. So how how are you holding up? And what do you think this sort of says about the space or energy? I mean, I'd, I'd love to just kind of give you the floor and share your thoughts on what's going on. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not a great day. I think the reason I'm able to like kind of take it in stride is that I, I kind of felt like a change was coming and it was like something had to give at a certain point. I think all the teams in the LCS kind of feel that way. Like there's been a lot of overspend and a lot of just like financial shenanigans going on. So like it's kind of like a zero sum game where like every team needs to find the answer that they're most happy with to make the numbers equal out. And sometimes people are just doing big like player salary cuts. Sometimes they're trimming down like the ancillary staff. And then obviously for energy, it was a big management staff cut. So like, I think every team is in the similar boat of like having to figure out how best to handle it. And I think it's just going to be kind of like a bandaid that everyone rips off in their own different way. Obviously for me, I think I'm in a, a decent enough spot to be able to like handle the situation and be okay with it and find something eventually. So like, personally, I'm not, like, super, super stressed about it right now, at least. Maybe, you know, give me a couple months if I don't find something, then I might be a little more stressed. But for now, at least, I think usually off-season is, like, the most stressful time of year. So being able to just, like, take a deep breath and relax for once is honestly a nice change of pace. Um, and then I kind of get to watch as a fan a little bit and get excited and see what happens. And then if I can find a way to jump back in, awesome. If not, then, you know, I, I find an adventure somewhere else. I mean, I assume in one sense, and again, I'm saying this only because I feel like you're you're in an okay place, but this is kind of a really rough time to like let somebody go who's at a GM position because we are probably two thirds of the way through the the off season build up to building all these teams type, you know, whatever you want to say, and and so it's not a situation where you could go knock on somebody's door and be like, hey, whoever's been doing this over here, whatever plans they've built, hire me. We'll throw it out the window and we'll start all over. Um, and it sounds like that's not what your plan is. It sounds like you're looking to take a little bit of time to yourself and, and sit out for this. But I mean, is it, I mean, what, what, how are you planning on dealing with sort of that, un, the unfortunate timing of this? Yeah. I mean, the, the timing is definitely unfortunate. And I think honestly, it's funny enough, it's like a product of our success in a funny way where like our world's run <laughs> kept going. Like same thing with like, you know, if, if this was a decision they'd wanted to make the whole time, regardless of like worlds and playoffs and everything, 
than like it would have happened earlier but we just kept winning which kept like extending our season so i wouldn't be surprised if an element of it was like well you know whenever the season wraps we'll we'll have the conversation with jonathan and he can you know he can go off and find something and it just happened that we just kept winning and it ended up being a lot later than i think anyone assumed it would be so you know it, it's one of those it is what it is scenarios you can't be too mad about it it was like a, a super fun experience and i would i'll take the slightly reduced chance at getting a job right away to have set you know put that little feather in my hat of like a fun thing we got to do as a team so it is what it is but i think uh as far as like planning i think for me at least i i would love to just hop back into it i think it would be fun but i just don't think that's like a realistic expectation for any team to like throw out all of the plans they probably spent you know making over the last like month or so to just be like i wonder what john thinks we should do and just throw me into the hot seat like i just don't think that's like a good recipe for success for for either those teams or myself to just be thrown in like that yeah no, I mean, I think uh, good on you for having the right mindset. I think rarely do people uh, get this type of news and then they're down to go on a show. I mean, I reached out to you and I was like, hey, hearing this rumor, uh, not sure where your mind's at, but would love to have you on the show. And um, and you were just like, yeah, let me sort some, some stuff out wow. with the announcement. What, what a vulture. Travis is such a vulture. It's so <laughs> true. It's so true. I'm just like, ah, oh, here's my moment. Yeah, a nice like, corpse I can. <laughs> yeah. Content has been a little dry. I guess we could we could spice it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I will say you're not doing a good job of spicing up by being so humble and polite. And uh, in yeah, your... unfortunately, the Canadian is uh, is kind of hard to suppress like that. It just, it just happens. <laughs> um, what I mean, I I think either on the show last week, Mark, or maybe when we were walking, I made the sort of dark humor joke of like. You know, NRG has all this staff, all these coaches, and then the team keeps winning. And is Andy Miller just sitting there like, oh, God, oh, God, like, what am I going to do? Um, I well, we got the answer. Yes. going to do. Yeah. He did it. I mean, I guess I'd ask, you know, I think a lot of, of NRG fans or folks who celebrated the success of this team now look at what happened today with not just you, but other folks at NRG getting laid off. Uh, like oh, however you want to say, and they go, oh cool, this is the reward for their success, you know, or well, I guess that energy is not investing the way that they we we hope they were, um, and things are are unwinding. Uh, anything that you would say to those fans who I guess are worried about if this team can continue to function and and the you know, oh, quite frankly, what a lot of people thought was overperform. Um, and I think you, you and others had cited the, the staff as a huge component in terms of providing support to those players. Yeah, I'm not obviously super in the know of what Energy's current plan is for long term. Like, I don't know like how many coaches are going to be sticking around. Is it going to be all of them, some of them, how many of them? Like, I I don't know that answer. So I figure part of why they're doing what they're doing is to try and keep as many folks around as possible. I hope. But obviously, I think every team, you're probably going to see a similar situation where, like, there is some element of cost cutting that's going on. There is some, you know, thing that's going to change for the worse in the short term for every team. And every team is it's kind of up to them to figure out, like, what parts are you going to downscale? So, like, my hope for NRG is that they can keep the guys together. They can keep as many of the coaches there as they can, and they can run it back. That would, I think, be really, really super cool for the whole league. But obviously, every team is kind of having their internal battle of, like, how do we make this make sense long term? Because... The whole situation that everyone's in financially is not the best. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue, I guess. Mark, you had something you wanted to say? 
no, I was going to say that this was the time to say that Energy's players actually aren't any good. Um, and it was all staff and management <laughs> that got them there. The coaching staff, all those guys. Like they can, if they can do that with that group of guys, imagine what they can do when you hand them some real talent. You know, that's, that's so and, true. And Jonathan was able to assemble all that. You know, like I mean, let's put it this way: those were not players coming from other regions, uh, fresh out of you know these other leagues. Jonathan had to slum it with these North American players or players who had been in uh, the North American region for a long time, you know, like, oh, God, give, given a chance to go import some player for a million dollars from another region, think about how quickly exactly. he could boomerang that player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do love boomerangs. That, yeah. that could have been really fun, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, I think this is a good segue to talk a little bit about what I'm hearing in, <laughs> in off-season stuff. And I guess... In land. I guess Jonathan, you can uh, you could just pretend to be shocked by all this because I assume we've heard uh, maybe some rumors, but probably, I probably heard a good chunk. But I will say, like being yeah. in the worlds, I was definitely like kind of like a little distant from the off season stuff. So like it kind of happened like during the Weibo game that a lot of stuff started going crazy. Yes, and then uh, right after that, we fly home the next day and are on like a, a bus for like seven hours. So like I missed a lot of off season stuff that I had to catch up on, and I definitely missed a bunch of stuff. Sure, sure. Well, you can give the gladiator thumbs up, side or down for like how how. How close do you think Travis is? Well, I think I think what I'm I'm gonna just start off with is by saying two things um, about how this off season is is very different. Some of it I think is is not going to be a surprise to folks who a lot of people could imply this, but uh, so uh, the two sort of actually I'll say three major narratives that I'm hearing. One is a lot of teams kind of have these like they're parallel pathing kind of two rosters. Uh, because they have gone to their talent that were going to either expire, the you know their co- their contract was going to expire, or they've gone to their talent that the contracts are not going to expire, and they say, "Hey, we can't afford to pay you what you, we we were paying you previously. We'd love to keep you around, but it's going to be have to have to be at this lower number." And that talent is, I think, in a lot of cases, going and saying like. <clears throat> Uh, let me see what else is out there before I commit to this lower number. And when that happens is you, you have teams that have to sit there and basically say like, okay, well, we can't just wait around to figure out if the, if the player that we've been playing with is going to continue to play for us. So let's go talk to other talent and we'll build these kind of like these two rosters, these what if rosters where it's like, okay, well, if we can't resign this player, this player doesn't want to keep playing with us we'll pivot in this direction. Um, and so you have a lot of kind of like weird stuff that's locked up. I think some of that is breaking through a little bit. Uh, my understanding is that the Jojo moment, part of the reason this is always happens is often in the mid lane previously, sometimes with, with Bjergsen or folks like that, everybody's waiting to see where X player is going to go. And then all these dominoes start to fall. I think Jojo was part of the reason why whenever that news broke, we started to hear a lot of other stuff. And by the way, I should shout out Sheep Esports because I think some of the our listeners or viewers are not caught up on some of these things. Maybe you don't stay clued into the Twitter or Reddit sphere, but like Sheep Esports, uh, some nice guys over there, they've been doing some pretty good reporting um, and coverage of all this stuff. And so we're going to reference some things here that have already previously been reported. I think in most cases it's been from them, um, and you can go take a look at, at their coverage to sort of see where where they have folks landing so far. Um, but yeah, so the big thing is a lot of weirdness where teams are kind of like parallel pathing these two, 
paths. I don't know, Mark, if John or John, if you have anything you'd chime in there. Otherwise, I'll go on to trend number two that I'm hearing. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. I think it's funny because this is the split where I think it's the most like frequently like kind of nar- like coming forward narrative of like there are people parallel pathing. Like, so you're hearing two different names for the same positions and stuff like that. But this this tends to happen every split, which is why like I'm the biggest hater of like the oh I've verbaled with so and so team. So like a lot of people are like oh yeah I have a verbal agreement, but like it doesn't really stand up to scrutiny very well. So like, you know, you could verbal with three different mid laners and when it comes time to sign the contract, whichever one you countersign with is the one that shows up. It doesn't matter what you promise the other group. So like a lot of teams do this where they have like a kind of like golden, you know, pie in the sky idea of a player they could maybe get, but they want to make sure if that falls through that they're not completely screwed. So this, this usually does happen quite a bit. And a lot of, a lot of the academy jailing that used to happen was an academy player would be like told, hey, you get to start in this like LCS position. It's going to be super good for you. You know, I just got to like figure out some stuff on the contract side and then I'll get back to you. But like, you know, verbally, like we want to move forward. And then all of a sudden, superstar import number 37 flies in at the last possible second, takes the spot and the player gets pushed back down to academy at the last second. And that also prevents them from going to other LCS teams that might have been interested because they had a better prospect. So like this stuff happens a lot, has happened a lot. And with, you know, add buyouts into the mix, like, it's kind of a big issue that's been happening with player mobility. So I think this split where you're seeing all these players have to like renegotiate their deals, you're going to see a ton of LFT posts that may not actually result in players changing teams. I think 100% that that's aligns with a lot of what I've been hearing. And I think that's great insight, especially from, from a a very, very recent GM. Um, And I think to that end, I also want to just give a bit of a warning because I think folks, and I say this in defense of people who might come out and shit on the sheep esports folks or other people that are doing reporting in the space right now. I think one, a lot of people hear sources say this player is verbally agreed with this team. And then people are like, okay, well, this player's at this team. And then, and this happened to me, I think it was last year where uh, C9 had, or no, it was, was last year the, it was two years ago, right? Which was the LS C9 adventure um, where I had reported a C9 roster that had been all verbally agreed to and everything was set. And then the next day everything changed because LS came in and was like, actually, I want to make some changes. And uh, when that happened, I had certain people uh, come out and try to, to shit on me for being wrong. Um, and then what was really nice is LS being the, the nice dude he is came out on his stream and was like, by the way, Travis is completely right. It was the right thing that he did. He's report all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. All this is a pretty good example of, Hey, like until a contract is signed, I'm never going to say something is, is, has like 90% confidence level or has anything more than 90% confidence level. And I think. This season, there's a really good idea or really good chance that we're actually maybe at like 80% confidence level given what Jonathan was just saying, but also just the sort of the absurdity of the, of the space. So if people are like, oh, Sheep Esports got this wrong or those journalists or whoever got that wrong, uh, I think just be un- understanding of the fact that there's a lot more chaos in the space right now. It is part of the reason why I have held back a little bit in in this season from doing coverage because I feel like a lot of stuff has been changing um, constantly. 
Um, it is just, I know we say this every off season, but it's the most chaotic off season ever. Um, and, and this year in particular, I think it's kind of weird. So, um, I'll rush through, I know we need to get callers, so I'll rush to, through the other two or three things I'm hearing that are high level right now. Uh, one of which is you just have several teams that are going minimum, um, where people are hitting, players are hitting them up and they're like, look, we want to let you know. We have no ability to pay you more than this. Or like, we know that we are at near bottom. And uh, and if you still want to have the conversation, that's great. Otherwise, hit us up if you decide that you're ready to take that. And it's not even necessarily uh, like in a shitty way, but it is... I mean, that's where things have gotten in some cases. Are, is this going to be apparent based off what the, the lineups end up being, you think? Or do you think that players will have to go back to those teams and be like, ah, oh, shit. I'm a great player, but it's either LCS or no LCS. I don't know. I honestly don't know. And I don't even know if anybody knows right now. Because like like the fun of the offseason this year is like you you can't know. Yes. It's gonna come down to like, does the player take the bad deal to have a job, or do they sit it out and hope that something magical manifests? One hundred percent, right? Because like I think there's a world where like with some of these players, like Zven is a great example, right? Zven left C9. He wants to be an AD. People might not know how strong of an AD he is. So maybe it's going to be hard for him to find. I'm just, this is, I'm using him as an example. Please. Maybe he gets signed immediately. It's going to be great. But like, he's a per, in my mind, a, a perfect example of a player who might just be available at the end of this if he wants to play for like 90 grand a year. Uh, and, and if you have enough of those components, you might actually be able to put together something that like say in 2022 people would consider a really great team but you know behind the scenes you're looking at it in 2024 and you're like all right some of these guys haven't played for a bit or they they haven't played in this way or they you know but like all together they look like they could be really good so yeah i have it is very very funny um and then the third thing i'm going to say is Oh my God, everyone I talk to is just freaking out over mid lane. Apparently, people are just like, mid lane is a disaster. No teams know who to sign for mid lane. There's a very good chance that we see, like, you know, I guess JoJo and Palafox being like the only NA mid laners. Maybe Jensen slides in somewhere, somewhere. But like, teams in general just don't know what to do in the mid lane right now. And it's, and it's, it's, I'm, I think if anybody wants to, to like, uh, to, to Jack's credit, if this Jojo thing is true, like he did a good job of solving that problem for himself immediately in a world where I think a lot of other people are going to have a hard time. And by the way, I'm not trying to shit on other mid lane talent. I'm just telling everybody what I'm hearing from team owners is that no, I, very few team owners feel very confident in the mid laners that they have access to or that they feel they have access to. So you might be listening to this, watching this and being like, well, what about X mid laner? Well, for, for what I can tell you, uh, there's not a lot of excitement around, around, um, some of these guys. So I think that's a big question mark where you might even see some autofills. I don't know. Um, but yeah, mid lane stuff is, is very, very funny. Um, uh, and then I guess I'll say two. I've heard some some teams are like cutting 
food budgets where you're like, hey, we're you're gonna be feeding yourself next year. Um I I think that's the thing. And then oh, the last thing, which I think Sheep Esports kind of alluded to, I don't know how much it's been talking to talked about, but Golden Guardians basically, from what I understand, had a very similar situation as what happened to them in was it twenty twenty one, I think, where they got I mean you were twenty twenty November. I was there. Yeah, you were <laughs> it was there. A dark time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Where they had like a superstar lineup potential. Um I think Vulcan was maybe gonna go I'm trying to remember if it was Vulcan. It's been reported a little bit on what this like pseudo roster was gonna be. And then basically GSW came down and was like, Yeah, fuck that, we're not spending. Um and in twenty twenty it was because GSW was losing all this money because of the pandemic and its effect on traditional sports or whatever. This year, we don't know why that's happening. My biggest theory is I think there's a very good chance that this team sells in the offseason. Um, and I don't have like a source being like, oh, there's gonna be they're gonna sell to this team or anything like that. But the fact that everything went frozen um, on them in the middle of this offseason, and there's no clear answer as to why, like, I I feel like they're a pretty good target for a team to, to pick them up. And I really hope that all the amazing staff and folks over there and everybody that I like get through that and ended up in an even better position. I am, like, I, I do, it's always fun whenever we're speculating on this stuff, but I also think it's really important we all remember the people who are working at these places who might be in a really spooky spot right now. Because uh, I don't want to make light of that, but I do think like something is going on over there. I am fascinated to find out what it is. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I I wish I was a GM just so I could figure out all the creative ways to slash budgets. Cutting the food budget, I have such a good solve for that. We start going to those like Groupon, learn to cook things where there's like those kitchens around LA, you know, and they'll teach you how to make pasta and stuff like yeah. that. I'm doing team bonding. I'm teaching my players how to feed themselves. Cause I'm sure as shit not paying for the delivery fees anymore. I'm filming content during this. Like, come on guys, this not, is an opportunity. Thinking, you're not thinking hard enough. We got to get those like meal delivery kits and like the players make it for content and then they eat it and that's their food and that's all they get. And so like is every day, is like these guys have to start going it. to farmer's market, all right? You got to learn how to go and pick out a good zucchini for this, this because you're making your own food from now on. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Also, I think Impact is probably at Team Liquid now. All right. Uh, should we get into calls? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to leak stuff. You didn't leak anything. I thought you were going to leak. You said you are going to leak everything. Leak it. Everything? Well, one, not everything is leakable. Um, not true. <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> you've got the you've got the spreadsheet. You think that this shit is done? Like if uh, it's, I, done, it's just not it's just not accurate. Just say no. Yeah. Oh yeah, accurate. okay, yeah. okay. Just, I mean, you want to want to be the TMZ of esports? Now's the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, okay, okay, okay. One, let's see. What what can I say? What can I say? I think EG is going to go mega mega budget. I think there's a good chance that they just end up like promoting. Some uh, talent that's been within their development system for a little bit, and then they bring in uh, some other folks that are sort of North American talent or sort of are on the the cheaper side. Like I could see this being a spot for like Poom or Chime or maybe even Treats. Um, I think Golden Guardians is everything's crazy over there. 
I feel like there's a pretty good chance that Vicklin prints just boomerang. I mean, obviously, people don't have them in for fly, but I just don't think that they'll end up landing someplace else. Um, I think Hunter T well, also so goes... What? For, for the fly thing, it was reported by the Sheep guys, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that they planned on doing Whippo and Inspired. Whippo Inspired, uh, uh, Masu um, is their rookie. And then I think that if that ends up happening, they will... There's I've, I've heard a rumor that through some sort of... Um, like residency situation for either Whippo or Inspired, they'll be able to land a mid import. Um, so that's how they could run. You know, listen, I don't know if you guys know about this, but we try to figure out the best way to slam as many of these players from from other regions onto these teams as much as possible. And I think that that there's a good chance Fly ends up doing something like that in the mid lane, which I guess makes sense given how everybody's feeling about um, like trying to find any talent for mid lane or whatever. Um, but I think Masu was was uh, point posted as potentially going there, uh, or is as getting promoted, and then, um, and then I don't know what they're doing in the support position. Maybe maybe Busio. I don't know. Um, I think Hunter T is pretty blown up right now. Uh, I know that it's been reported that Sniper is getting uh, put on that team. The, the Golden Guardians pieces, I think if they're really f- falling apart, then they might be able to pick up like River or or whatever. There was even at one point in time, somebody somebody said the name Malring to me. Um, and then <laughs> Someone said the wild. name Malring to you. Yes. It's just in general or in the context of playing for, for Hundred Thieves? It was, it was like... with... It was like, again, I... I don't know. It's always tough for these. Like th- this, this off season like, might be when I just go full <laughs> fucking whatever mode because it's such a fucking clusterfuck to try to report any of this stuff that I'm just like, like yeah, uh, I hear this imagine- and I hear this and I hear this. Um, and uh, people can sort of take like, it however they want. Getting a pizza, talking like, "How's your week been?" Yada yada. Malring, and they're yeah. like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. Honestly, that is how it goes sometimes, and in, and in, in this in this business, um. I honestly think there's a chance they might keep quid. We'll see, especially given the mid lane stuff that I've talked about. Uh, I do, I do not think Doublelift is playing for them next year, um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Busio is not. So I just, but I have heard Hunter T is going pretty budget oriented. Um, they're on, they're going to be on the lower spend side of things. Is, is everything that I've heard right, right before? Now, honestly, it could be a good place for Sven to go if he's down to, to take a little less money. I feel like he would Hunter T's Sven is something I feel like from a brand perspective could be kind of cool. Um for a little bit, I don't think ever anybody's reported the C9 top line position. Um I I'm not surprised to see Twitch chat talking about Wonder or whatever. I guess Kadrol said that that might be a thing, but um somebody else I talked to this afternoon was saying it might not be Wonder, so I don't know. Again, things are kind of going all over the place. Shopify Oh god. Um so I th- I think Shopify is really weird. They're probably like uh, I think insanity is is maybe the only thing that's locked in there, which I guess would push us towards <clears throat> three North American uh, mid laners. Um so that might be kind of cool. Uh I there was a rumor that Zazel might end up over there. I don't know. I like quite frankly I'm a little disappointed in Shopify. I'd hope that they would have come in here and built something really compelling 
Um, and maybe I will some they'll be able to use this clip from Hotline League in a in a video next year to meme on me whenever they're like kicking ass or whatever. And if so, then you have to pay me for that usage. Uh, but I I don't know. I've not heard really anything compelling about like I I haven't heard anything that makes me really excited about the Shopify roster. Um, something that might have been said at one point about NRG, Travis. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, true, true. But I, I, I think you could still say that about energy. They did great, despite the fact that they were not like, oh my god, they got Palafox. You know, like uh, he did not have that reputation, uh, superstar reputation. In fact, I have a video from last year that's been played ad nauseum over the last two months that I can prove that. Um, that video aged like fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I do think Impact is probably back at Team Liquid. Um, there were some pretty big rumors that he was going to go there, and then he tweeted that he was going back home. I don't think it's to C9. Um, so we'll see. I mean, maybe something will... Maybe right now Jack and Steve are memeing in my chat while also messaging each other on the side about, hey, back off, he's mine. Um, but... Uh, are you sure he's not going back to T1? Because that's when he's yeah, back home. I, I was like, he's had a lot of homes at this point. Like, I, where? I don't think that's that's happening. I I don't feel like APA is likely to be playing for this team next year. Um, I I actually I actually kind of feel like there's a chance that this be, they just they try. Uh, what was it? Um, T TLCK point two point or whatever for next year. I, so it's it's Yawn, Core JJ, Impact, and then Korean uh, Jungle Mid. They yeah, get, there was they, a they keep the, Pioshik. in the same way that Malarang was screamed at me at one point in time while I was eating pizza. Uh, the name Umpty was also screamed at me uh, during that same <laughs> pizza eating session. <laughs> so I don't. Again, I don't. People just scream stuff at me when I'm on the street. Um, and during off season and I don't know, I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to eat this, this pepperoni. Okay. Why are you screaming this at me? Um, uh, so, so we'll see. I don't, I don't know if that's real or not. How come um, people don't want an okay bro in the LCS? I want an okay bro in the LCS. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the IMT side, maybe the funniest thing I've heard about this off season, I don't know if it's true or not. But maybe the funniest thing I heard in the offseason was that IMT was like, yo, tactical, we'd really... And he's like, no. Oh, uh, he tried to resign tactical and he was just like, no? Yeah, he's like, no, no thanks. <laughs> I'll pass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be rough. <laughs> um, so so I, I, I have no idea. And then Dig, I think, is... is um, <laughs> <That's lol. laughs> <laughs> in the twitch chat tactical says he LOL. deserves better all right after yeah. that last season he deserves better um and so so yeah there were there was um there's some discussion that like tactical and treats might be trying to go someplace together we'll see i don't know and then um and then one one interesting thing was that like i think i don't know if it's that everybody else has lowered their money and Dig stayed the same, but supposedly Dig have a non-insignificant amount of money this year. Like maybe the Dig management is so checked out, they didn't realize that everybody's dropping their budget so much that they're just like running back the same budget as previous. And now Dig is like possibly middle of the pack in terms of spending. I have no idea. But Dig, Dig, Dig was like Jensen. Here's three hundred thousand dollars again, and yeah. it's like, 
Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I have no idea. I um I think I think it's gonna be I think it's just gonna be a hilarious fucking off season. Uh, I think we're gonna see a ton of boomerangs. I don't know if any team is gonna take the right lessons from energy's year this year or EG's year last they never year. Do. Um Ugh. and uh and yeah, it's just it's just we're 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 still on the fucking carousel, the boomerang themed carousel. Um so there you go, Mark. Ugh. Is that enough? Uh, that's, that's acceptable for now. I'm wondering about some of the displaced people. Like yes. Inspired to FlyQuest means what's happening to Spica. Yeah. If TL imports mid, what happens to APA? I think there's a lot of players who I don't want to see disappear, but are currently n- not anywhere yet. Yes. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I assume that those are some of the guys that Jonathan's talking about having um, maybe verbal commitments with a couple teams or a couple teams, you know, verbally committing to a couple people at once, you know, like some of those will slot into place later in the off season. I hope. I mean, that's, what's interesting is like with dig, you know, the, I haven't heard too much about what's going on over there other than like maybe rich is sticking, sticking over there. Um, but like y- you could see a world, right. Where if they're, if they now have like, if the fourth highest spend or something, which I don't know, but like I could kind of see it based on how many teams I hear are going super cheap. They could look around and be like, okay, we're going to speak. We're going to grab Jensen. We're going to grab like a decent amount of pieces. And then like dig might make worlds next year, you know? So, um, I don't know. I think the space is in a, in a weird situation. I, I really do think EG and golden guardians are, I released a video last, last week, uh, kind of giving a, a metric or meter on, on where I thought which teams I thought are most likely to sell sometime soon, and I I really do think EG and Di- and sorry EG and GG are just hanging out until they lock some sort of deal down. Um, that would be my best guess. So I don't know, but th- things could change. Obviously, it's it's not just chaotic in LCS right now. It's also chaotic from an economic perspective. So, but I do want to call out something that I, league people might not have noticed. Which is that Phase got bought out by the same company that owns Complexity, and I don't know if they have the money because it's not like Complexity has done anything interesting within the LCS or from an LCS perspective um, lately. But like, if you are that entity who's acquiring Phase as a brand, I don't know if it makes sense to just like buy it and then do nothing with it. So I feel like maybe whatever that Complexity Phase like amalgamation is like i i don't know what other teams could be on the docket for acquiring a spot that like is an existing league or existing esports team so like that could end up happening i i I only be i say that only because not because i've heard anything but just because i i don't i don't know how many people notice that that happened especially if they're very insular to the league of legends space and like i they would be a big candidate for me right now to to maybe come in. Um, I know David Shinock's going to be screaming optic to the to the masses, but I have I I have nothing on that. Um, so yeah. Any thought, uh, Jonathan? How about you? Any thoughts? Any thumbs up? Any thumbs down? I mean, most of it's I think so in the air that like yeah, to your point, like eighty percent is probably the best you're going to get. And I think the before we go too into the weeds, because I'm sure some callers will will bring out the whole rules conversation out of me, but most teams, the only move you can make is if you have a person on a contract, you can extend it. That's it. Everything else you can't do. 
So for now, like, you're going to see, like, if XU gets confirmed, like, cool. That's that's the one move that, that, they, that they, they can do without, like, making a change that they have to wait until free agency for. So, like, all of this is just in complete limbo until we hit the 20th. 4 p.m. on the 20th is when we all get to see how everything pans out. 4.20, blaze it's when we get to have fun. Yeah. So right as I'm in the air from on my way back from uh, from uh, World Finals, which, by the way, I'm probably going out there for, for fun. I'm going back to Korea because I believe I have a sponsor for, for a little trip out there for finals. Um, but that'll be very fun for me. Uh uh, by the way, one addendum to everything I've just been I've just been saying. Uh, pretty pretty. Con- this is how quickly things move. Pretty confident that the wonder thing is not happening, and that Fudge will be staying at C nine. I would put that at like eighty percent confidence. Um, I know a bunch of C nine fans who are haters and NA fans are going to be sad about that. I am not. I like Fudge, dude. I love Fudge. I think he is. Uh, a great personality. I think he's a good player. Obviously, things go up and down for him, but um, I, I, I would love to see Fudge remain a C nine uh, player. John, John, thing. One thing that popped into my head during this conversation was, like, what's the average salary going to be in the LCS for next year? And you know, I, I expect you know you, you can't be certain, but like, what would you expect it to be? Given that, like, in the boom of the VC money days. Yes, there were figures that were topping a million, but from what I understood, the like average was around like 400, 500-ish K, and it's probably been dropping a little bit since then. Where where do you think, and Travis, you made a face of that, so I don't know if, if you've heard something different, but like, wh- what no, do you I think the average it. salary was a couple years ago during the height, and where do you think it's going to be at the end yeah, of this offseason? So the beauty is that there is a public number from 2020 that we can use as a reference point here. It was 400, right? Which was, I think, back then it was approximately four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. The median being about three eighty. That was the quote. I think there was a little bit of up and down. But the big, the big thing with league to understand is like, there is a bottom uh, of seventy five thousand that you can pay someone, but there's no upper limit. So if the average is only three hundred thousand away from the lowest point, but we're hearing of people in the millions, that means for every million dollar contract, there's someone at minimum. So. That's kind of like the internal math you have to do in your head to get to that number. So in a world where all of these super crazy outlandish like outlier numbers are just being chopped off, that number flies down very, very quickly because those were the ones massively like pumping that average up, even if there was like a handful of teams being more fiscally conservative with how much they were paying out. So I think like in a world where more than half the league might be being a lot more fiscally responsible than ever before, you could totally see it go around like the 200 or lower range. Yeah, I would I would bet that we're in like 175, 200 territory next year. Um I I think there's a really good chance JoJo is the highest paid player in the league next year, which honestly like is there anybody else that should be the highest pay, paid player? Definitely a solid candidate, I think. Yeah. Him, Berserker, like, I think if all the rumors are true about who C9 is putting together, like, I think that team, like, every player in role, barring maybe one or two, could contend for, like, the highest salary demands. But obviously, yeah. in a world where so few people are paying, you don't really have the same leverage you used to have of, like, oh, well, you know, if you don't sign me, I'll go to the FlyQuest super team, or I'll go to whatever TL's putting together, or I'll go to this other team. Like, eventually, there's just not enough spots for people to claim they could go to that would compete with higher higher yeah. salaries. Yeah, and by the way, a bunch of people in the chat saying like 175, 200 sounds decent. Like, uh, I think it, it goes back to what Jonathan was just saying, right? Where, yes, that sounds decent, but that's probably not what the 
majority of players are making, yeah. you're going to see, well, I guess it's median versus average, right? Or median versus mean. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah. Yeah, talking averages, you got to remember, like, for every time you have, like, an average that feels like a good number, there's a very large chunk of people that are below that number and a very large chunk of people above that number. Very few people are, like, on the money there. Yep. Yep. Especially in a world like this where there's, like, spenders and savers. So, like, it's almost like a bimodal distribution of, like, a bunch of people as getting as low as they can and a couple of people flying a little higher than they should because they want to make sure they, they're, like, they're the team to hold the trophy at the end of it all. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've talked enough. I'm going to do a quick ad, and then we're going to get in some calls. We might have to go a little bit over tonight, uh, assuming Mark and, and Jonathan are down. Hey, I got no plans. <laughs> <laughs> My I schedule's wide plans. open. <laughs> I got so much to do. Yeah. Well, first off, let me tell everybody about Alienware. Thank you to Alienware for sponsoring tonight's episode of Hotline League and for sponsoring so much of what we do here at Travis Gafford Industries. They've been an amazing partner over the years. Absolutely love them. Uh, I have brought my... I, I just got back, obviously, from long travel, long trip, and in Korea, I had my M18 with me. That thing is a beast. You got to go check this out over at alienware.com slash Travis. Uh, there's a link in the description. I think sometimes on, on YouTube, we've been having a little, uh, some issues where it's not been popping up, so we're working on that. Um, but uh, please go please go take a look at this thing. It is just a beast. It allows us to, well, one, it allowed me to continue to game while I was on the road, but also allows me to export wonderful 4K video. It's got this uh, huge screen, um, which is this 18-inch screen, which is just so cool to have with me. Uh, whenever I'm in a hotel or I'm uh, somewhere where I need to be able to look at footage, review. We've got a vlog coming out soon uh, that we recorded in Korea that's just got uh, some really cool stuff in it that, that uh, we were able to shoot with Drew. And having this thing has just been fantastic. And But as much as I love the M18, it's also been great to come home to my Alienware desktop, which is the Aurora R16. Um, and this thing is super cool. It's, uh, a new style and new look for the Aurora, uh, but it's still got this amazing power to it. It's refined, refined and simplified, and it's designed to be more minimal and efficient for your desktop, uh, with improvements in every category. So it's just been, a, a wonderful machine to come back home to, uh, really love what, uh, Alienware is able to do for us in terms of support, not just obviously, uh, on the financial side, but also in terms of giving us the hardware we need to be able to make this content and uh, for me to continue to game on. So really appreciate uh, Alienware for sponsoring the show. And please keep them in mind because we've got Black Friday coming up. In fact, they already have some Black Friday deals available on the site, which I would encourage you to go check out. Um, in fact, right now I'm looking at an Alienware Aurora R16 marked down 200 bucks over there with an i7 in it and a GeForce RTX 4070 Ti. So Thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Let's get into some calls. Uh, Mark is off to grab the first caller. Hey, it's been an hour, uh, I think, maybe a little bit more since I've read off subs. So let's look at how Twitch is doing versus how YouTube is doing. Over on Twitch, we have Spud Tugger, Papyr, JP Langley, a Psy Guy, Stinky Kitty Kisses, Hardy Kiwi, Darking, Schmidt Monk, uh, Solomon Solomon Mike, uh, Cowiz, Sethi Poo, Hapa, Inizu, Mr. Lightning Ying, Morning Starts, Magnarius, Jaffe 58, Sissa Splitter, 
uh, Trevor Montreal, Shiny Froki, Thix Nation, Hi Thix, The Eternal Cow, Yugi Boy, CB Picky, and Dini Bay. <laughs> Yugi Boy. Uh, and on YouTube, we have nothing. So let's go ahead and get into uh, this call. Uh, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hello, my name is Farmer Ginge. I'm calling from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, but I'm originally from Scotland. Uh, a Scottish man. I was going to say, I did not think that was the Alberta, Canada accent. No, it's definitely it not. It's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you uh, What do you want to talk about on the show? Okay, so my take is that the NA uh, attitude towards roster building is very much the uh, fat loss pill of the esports industry. The fat loss pill. Okay, like yes. the like yeah. you're, you're saying, like the snake oil. Gain. Kind of it's all about exactly. the short term gain. The short term gains. Okay, exactly. That's my point. Um, I think there seems to be this idea, and it, you know what? I think it's mainly in the West. I can't really speak to the East because I don't follow those those teams in that roster building as much. But I think we see it, and we talk about it every year, especially you, Travis. That there's too much turnover in these teams, and that is very much the whole. Um, idea behind the fat loss pill is the short-term gains thing that doesn't actually succeed in the long run because it doesn't there's no science behind it and we can see that anecdotally in kind of the any roster building scene i got so mixed up when you said the fat loss pill of na roster building I thought that your perspective was that NA talent is the fat loss pill. As in, no, like no, no, no. The short, oh. that's my short-term, short-term roster building, basically. Sorry if you got oh. confused. No, I, I, you know, this take is just as good. But I thought it was going to be hilarious to call this like NA talent thing that like is because of <laughs> NRG as like a fat loss pill. That's just a trend, you know. Like it's not actually real. Like ah, oh, I misunderstood the take, but this one's just as good. Well, I, I don't know. Is it is it actually real? Like, <laughs> I mean, when what was the Cloud Nine roster that went to quarterfinals? Was that mainly NA town, or was that a heavily imported roster? I think it had a good chunk of NA players. I think that, was that like the the Licorice roster that did really well with Zazel and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Jensen the, was mid lane. I can't remember. Yeah, even either. to just like do the math on roster building in NA, right? Like, no matter how many imports you get in, usually you're not going to get five like imports mixed with like no, 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 imports. exactly. Like, but we we see it happen more often now. Yeah, I think now there's been like this accumulation of players getting green cards, some of the old grandfathered players, and just like a mixture of imports coming in that you can kind of get pretty close to like three, four, five imports. But I think to to the caller's point a little bit, like. It is kind of a short-term game, and this is why, like, as a GM, I would always drive my coaches crazy because every time they wanted to do any kind of import, I was like, okay, is this a player we're going to keep for a long time? And if we want to, like, go for it and try and win the title, is this the guy that's on the roster? Because if he is, great. That's the person we can get. If not, that player is going to be very hard to replace because we're going to have to build the rest of the roster having one less import slot so when we, like, go for it, we don't have an import in another role that we can then Let's say like, oh, we have our guy here, which then opens up another spot there. So it's like you have to think like two steps ahead if you really want to do importing, which is why most of the teams I would put together, I would try and have like an open slot or just not use any of the slots if I could, because it just made every offseason extremely difficult if you were import locked, because it meant every every remaining slot had to be like a domestic for domestic player where, you know, it might not line up, right? Like if you're going for a top laner and all the best top laners are locked up and there's not like a super hot prospect in Academy, you're kind of just stuck with either the player you just had that you're not confident in or just grabbing like someone to, to make a change for the sake of change. I I want to ask you, Jonathan, kind of going back to 
our caller's point of like, hey, you know, because it sounds like caller, you're saying, you know, all these this turnover and moving players in and out of teams and all that stuff. You think that that's that's short sighted rather than like sticking with and growing kind of the way we saw with energy. It sounds like that's that's your main thesis, right? Yeah, and I think you kind of see that in this year's, you know, what you're talking about. A lot of any, you know, any player is going to be going on to kind of close to minimum salary this year because we've, or NA rather, I'm kind of from UU, but there you go, um, has spent so much of this investment money on salaries, I'm assuming, um, when they were getting more, you know, capital investment and stuff. And yeah. it hasn't thought about the long-term response. It's almost like they've gone in to this, maybe knowing esports is going to die and at some point and just wanting to get as much money out of the industry as they can as quickly as they can. So so I kind of taking on that that point around the sort of the moving, moving pieces around too much and all that stuff. Jonathan, how much do you fault teams this offseason for how much change we're going to see on rosters? Because... Obviously, it's a very weird offseason with salaries changing and investment being the way it is, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think I can only be so mad because obviously, like, you know, if you are on a team that has a significant roster cut, even if you have or a budget cut, you have, you know, a bunch of players that may be on contracts through 2024, 2025, that those contracts aren't really going to be able to be held up. Like, you're going to have to go to that player and say, hey, like, you're going to have to take a pay cut if you want to stay. And then that means they then need to get permission to go talk to teams because they're not going to sign it in the dark, which then takes longer. And then it just kind of like, creates a lot of uncertainty and just drags everything out so at the end of the day like you're not you're not going to know any better than the player what's going to happen to you and i think that's just going to create a lot of volatility in general but i think the other side of the coin too is especially in the past teams have to be had to be willing to like take gambles that wouldn't they had a real chance of not working like when i uh, applied to join clg as the gm when they were looking for new folks the pitch was basically hey guys i have a crazy idea but it could totally not work right away and we might finish ninth tenth right away and like because I had a longer term plan, that was like a, you know, it's fine if we, if that ends up happening, like we, we accept that as part of this process that we're going to believe in and buy into, but very few teams have the liberty to take that mindset on of like, yeah, it's cool if we just lose in our bottom two a bunch of times because, you know, we have some plan. So in the, in the absence of that, it's like, you have to grab you know, to, to the caller's point, the fat loss pill. You need to try and do something to make something happen now to keep people off your back about bad performance. And I think that's like the, the rat race we fell into which makes it all the harder to try and bring in players that you're basically taking like an educated gamble on. So what what would you do right now if, let's say tomorrow, um, actually, let's say tomorrow a team came in, this complexity phase team, and they're like, Jonathan, we just saw the tweet. Also, we just bought a team, and we we don't trust any of the, the management there or they're leaving or something like that. We want you to, to kind of build this out. How do you approach building a roster i'm not saying which players right but how do you approach building this roster in the current environment especially like do you do you reach for the uh fake fat loss pill or do you how how do you handle this yeah i mean i can almost give clg as an example when i came in there was a lot of like experienced players there with contracts that were kind of either expiring or had like an extra year on it but were like a much higher price than than some of the other people that were options in like a similar level so for me, I kind of had to like assess all the people that were there. But if you know you don't have people there, you get to kind of skip that first step, and you go into like what are pieces that could be worth us having if they were actually going to pan out. So you would look to academy and say who are the highest performing players. So for us, for mid lane, there was like Palafox moving up and down on FlyQuest. That was like okay, that's a piece that we think could be really good for us. So we grab him. 
we see contracts is looking for a team and he had a good like redemption arc coming through academy played some really good games in lcs subbing in for eg and we're like okay that's another piece and also those two players are good friends and want to play together so that is now like a core that we can build around and then we started like working outwards from there and picking up all these like top prospects from different academy teams and saying okay we're gonna try this out and if it works and there's good pieces we can keep running it and if it starts to grow into something awesome but if there's a player that's not quite meeting the standard or we feel is holding back the rest of the group from growing, then that's like the piece we need to trim off. And that's kind of like the mindset we had as we started rebuilding things. And then eventually, once we had done that iterative process enough times, we all of a sudden had a team that functioned really well together and had been spending a lot of time together. So that that was at least our process. I think with the new world of like way lower costs and more volatility, you can kind of show up even if you're a little late and have a solid chance of catching a lot of the players that slip through the cracks that are more veteran to try and like get a little bit of the fat loss pill if you really want to. But I do think there is and always has been talent in the tier two space in league, no matter how underfunded or overfunded or anything it is, there's always people there that are ready to move up. You just need to be willing to accept that they're not going to be LCS starter level immediately all the time. And you're going to need to put the time in and accept that you might lose some games because of them. But it's all worth it because eventually, if you invest it in the right person, it's gonna be, it's gonna pan out, and that player is going to be like a perennial starter of the LCS. But you'll never know till you try. Yeah, Mark, what do you think about this fat loss pills meme? Uh, I've been down fat loss pills for years. I think they actually work. Um, no, I was always shocked at how short sighted it felt like we became with uh, franchising. I like I kind of got sold the dream of franchising under the premise that like teams can actually build for long-term sustainability, like kind of plans like Jonathan's talking about um, because they no longer need to worry about getting relegated. And you could like sign a handful of guys, see which ones are working out, slowly tinker and iterate your roster over years as opposed to blow it up and rebuild every single time. And so like I was disappointed that after franchising, it still seemed like nine out of 10 teams were trying to build for now and they would sign like, a group of veterans that like isn't going to get it done. And to be fair, sometimes that group of veterans does turn out better than I expected. I think Golden Guardians of the Sears is an example. I think FlyQuest from 2020 is an example that like it can work. And so I shouldn't just like paint all of that as bad. But at the same time, there were a number of teams that I'm just like, I don't know what you're doing. One of them being CLG from, I think it was also 2020, if I'm not mistaken, where it did kind of feel like, I don't know why we're importing Finn. No offense to that guy. I think he's a fine player, but like he's not going to like revol- he's not he's not so revolutionary for top lane that like you couldn't find an NA player equivalent, you know, or something like that. So, um I was always disappointed that more people didn't take this approach that Jonathan's talking about. Like I would think that like three teams a year should be kind of in that mode of like okay, our budgets can't compete right now and we don't have great NA building blocks to then like eventually try to slot in great pieces from importing around them. Yeah, and it just felt like it was always on on the hamster wheel. So, I I wish more teams had that perspective a, a while ago. But I guess they had to, you know. There's there's some realities of the situation where they have VC people who don't want to like buy into a league and then bottom feed for a year while they try and find players or something. If yeah, I, I think- if I was a hotline league caller, I would call in and talk about Han Sama because I think he's such a fascinating example of. A team. So I, I did this interview with them where I was basically like, hey, what happened in the past year? Uh, because you were on Team Liquid, you looked way different, and you also played way different. And you glue up, glowed, glowed up, glowed up in both. You glued, glued yourself. You glued yourself. You glowed up in both 
directions, how did this happen? And uh, one, I've got a great TikTok right there that's talking about uh, how how he just he he did basically the uh, the the '90s girl thing, girl video meme thing from movies where he took his glasses off and put his hair up, and then he was he was dramatically uh, changed in appearance. But also, uh, he just talked a lot about how he was able to find so much more success and become a better player on G two, and. I think a lot about that when I think about this this fat weight loss pool, uh, pill situation where I think a lot of teams bring in these talent this talent from other places. We talk a lot about the boomerang, but also it's just like Hansam is a perfect example of a player who came over, was not great, and then like has crushed it going back to LEC. And I, I don't know if that's a failure of the team liquid system. I don't know what it is, but like we all know. It's Bjergsen. Bjergsen <laughs> skill vampired his teammates and mind controlled them into being dead. All right, never mind. I've, I don't know what I was thinking about. That's a very it's good an point. An interesting point, though, because he was also, Hansam was probably one of the, well, the only EU import to NA I can think about that's gone back to EU and has actually performed well after being in an NA region. Well, there's been people who've gone back and forth who have like maintained the same level or like well, gotten better Nisky, a little I bit. Guess, like, yeah. yeah. I was gonna have Nisky. Yeah. Yeah, BB. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Yep. Yeah. But, but I, I don't know if there's anyone who's came over and done like clearly worse and then gone back and returned to their form. Like Hans might be the most recent example, I guess. What about Hoonie? Yeah, even... He was yeah. he was always kind of the same guy to me though. Like I don't think he was radically different bouncing there was that around. One split where he went back to T1 and they got real far in worlds and he just yeah, kind of like finals, swallowed his, he swallowed his pride and just played tank. That's what I'm talking he about. He did the job. He worked a 9 to five, good old what? 9 to 5 shift on the rift. But he was he was legitimately one of the best top laners in the west and then he goes and joins the most historic eastern org of all time. And like yeah, he's like I I I don't think he suddenly became insanely like way better. His teammates were just suddenly much much better and he's in that better ecosystem environment in Korea for a year like Sure. I don't think he like dramatically became worse playing in NA back when he was like turbo stomping kids on immortals for a little bit, you know? Mm, that's a good point. Uh, anyway, it's also worth noting okay. real quick before we, we tangent too far of like when players come here from other regions, there is also that expectation that they will be the best players on their team. They will be like top three in their role, especially players like Han Sama that like that pressure is not something we can just pretend doesn't exist. And I think it definitely hurts players' abilities to like consistently perform when there's always that like looming ghost over their head of like you have to win. Like losing lane versus any team that is not a similar level to you is like automatically not okay. Yeah. Well, either way, I think we talked a while for this. I, I do think it's worth I think it's worth the conversation. Um and I do appreciate the call. Um, but it is it is uh the sad thing is, I just so looking at the offseason, I don't think anything's going to change, right? I don't look and see that that team that's like, hey, we're going to make this bet on something long term, or hey, we're going to change a couple pieces and and try to really build off of what we've been doing um, in the same way that that I've seen Energy do it, for instance, and it's the success this year. So, uh, hey, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out, caller? Um, yeah, shout out to Alienware for supporting you, Travis, I guess. And, uh, to the guys back at home that I used to play league with a ton, maybe they'll, maybe they'll tune in and watch this episode, even though they're all still back in Scotland. Yeah. Very good. Hopefully. Thank you so much for the call and we'll catch you next time. All right. Cheers, Mike. See ya. See ya. All right. 
Uh, shout out over on Twitch. We got Dark Tarconis, Casey Bryan, Twitching Mars, Peta26, Kanoke, uh, Pal Chilmer, Guy in Chat Says, Dantasaur, and Spawn the Caster. And then YouTube showed up. Uh, N sent a buck ninety nine super chat and Lacona became a member. So thank you to to YouTube uh, for that support. All right, Mark is grabbing the next caller and he's here or they're here, I should say. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hello, I'm uh, Spencer. I'm from Minnesota. Spencer from Minnesota. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, I want to talk about how I think that the number one thing to take away from Worlds is that NA and EU need to play against each other way more. Uh, and for a couple of reasons. Okay. What are those reasons? Um, so one, the first thing is that uh, I disagree with what Jonathan was saying uh, a bit earlier about why like the imports, especially Piosic and Berserker, I think play a lot worse during our regular seasons. And I think it's not because that they're like being expected to be the best on their teams, but I think it's because they get a bit like complacent because they're playing against teams that are just not as good. Because I thought the games where I saw uh, Berserker and Piosic play the best was actually their games where they played against the Eastern teams. Like, they both were the only players on those teams, or on those games, on our teams, where they weren't, where the players were not, like, out of position and, like, running it down at times. I Like, especially Piosic, I remember in his final game when he was, like, about to get eliminated, he was playing Lee Sin, and he was, like, pushing top when, like, his team's base was about to die. And, like, it felt like, like from, like, a body language standpoint almost, that he was super just frustrated with his team. Well, I I don't know. I I always get skeptical whenever I hear people talk about body language. Um, I, I mean, I mean, like a like, but not body language, but like what he's doing on the rift, and to, like why would he be there? Like that looks like why isn't he coming back to base? Unless he's just like frustrated and has given up. Yeah, I mean, I do think Team Liquid was super disjointed and kind of like imploded at the end of of Worlds uh, or their Worlds run, uh, which is is like a fair assessment. I, I don't know how much I draw that towards like NA versus EU, but I guess you're saying that you wish, you think fighting a EU would be good just because it would help face stronger opponents. Yeah, so I think like... That but EU is a weaker region to... than North America, so I, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, can we... I, like, is it really fair to hold a tournament between EU and NA where like LPL and the LCK get to play against each other, but we're stuck playing against Europe? I mean, I'm down. It sounds fun. <laughs> for for <laughs> anyone who doesn't know the lore there, that was an actual Reddit thread about Rift Rivals 2018, where then NA shit all over EU after making that Reddit thread. That um, was so good. That was, was one of the days. one of the big dubs. Oh, it was a 2017. It might not have been 2018. It might have been 2017 Rift Rivals or 2016. I forget. There was a Rift Rivals where that was the copy pasta and we beat them. I don't remember the exact year. But I would also bring in like a couple more things. Like NRG during our regular season, I think could also you could explain why they were being uh performing way better against the better teams than against the worst teams like almost like the the magic of that coming from the fact that i think that they felt like that they took the games a lot more seriously when they were coming in against the better teams they they might have practiced hard or whatever and i think like we saw the same thing with like against uh for g2 nrg like g2 did not look like they had prepared for us at all like and i don't mean to say that they choked and we played well but just like if they had played against us more, they probably would have taken us more seriously. And also, uh, on the region rivalry like section, like we are no worse 
then like even if you say G2 was better than NRG, I think NRG was at least better than Fnatic. Like Fnatic, I don't think could have taken out G2 like we did, like NRG did. And so, I mean, at worst, or maybe one seed worse, and if, like, for both reasons, if we want the best practice, like, to get better, our our best bet is playing against each other. Like, there's not any better competition. Or, I mean, at best, you could say, okay, you could have G2 play against Fnatic three or four times uh, more times during the regular season, but it'd be way more interesting, like, spectacly, to have them uh, playing NRG and uh, C9. Why is it better for us to play seasons. EU than just playing LCK and LPL more often? Because I don't think that we are... I don't think we're that good that we should be... Like, I think that our number one seed is equal to their, like, fourth, maybe third seed. Well, well we did see our true, first seed think, against their fourth seed, and it didn't, it didn't feel like we were equal. And I also think Travis's broader point is that if we're if we are worse than them... Shouldn't our teams play against them to try and level up faster than playing against Europe? Um, I mean, I don't know how much they're going to want that. And also, like, I think that it just wins on a whole bunch of fronts. One, we're, like, the best competition. Two, both of our regions love to watch, like, us play each other. And three, we don't have to waste the time of teams that are better than us. Like, we are, like, correct competition. <laughs> That's very respectful of you to not want to bother... The LPL and LCK <laughs> yeah, yeah. with our fucking monkey yeah, you guys, you guys fight. do your own thing. Like you know, you, don't worry about us. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, have like, respect for Faker. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to waste Grandpa's time. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so, so let's let's toss it. I I know uh, Jonathan led the last conversation. So what do you think, Mark? Uh, there's like a some things here that I agree with the outcome that the caller wants. Maybe not all the reasoning in it. Like. I don't feel so bad for Korea that I, they have to beat our ass a couple times a year, you know, that I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll just take our ball and go home and not bother you. Um, you know, like, I, I still want to bother them. I'm still happy to, like, you know, go up against them a little bit. And I'm sure Jonathan can attest to, like, the players also want that, which I think matters, too. Um, Very much so. You know, yeah. So, like, I, I think, you know, players would be happy to play Europe. I'm not saying that, that they wouldn't be. And in the logistics of planning what I think you're suggesting caller in another international tournament, it might be hard to rally all four regions there. And if a third international tournament that is of consequence, um, is going to be required or be, be made, then like, yeah, maybe you can't get all the regions there and just EU is fine. Like I would think the, the problem with rift rivals when it existed back in the day is that there was no stakes for it. There was no reason to do it. It kind of ended up in the middle of the season. It was hella awkward. No one wanted to go to it. Yada, 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 you know, like, and, the one that we lost in 2018, people were like making subs. I think like hundred thieves like sat someday or something, if I remember correctly. Like I think if there's a three uh, split system, putting an NAEU tournament where the, the top three teams go and they're battling for the fourth seed at worlds that year, you know, yeah, like, I was, that would be, I was gonna say that, that would be sick. That would be sick. You're getting stakes on the line, reasons for fans to care. You saw there's a pretty good turnout for fourth seed versus fourth seed already before worlds. Like, Imagine what this turnout would be for like a legitimate tournament. You know, like I, I think that there is, if you can find a way to fit it into the, the the system without it just becoming a joke again, I think it's worth looking into. Um, but I also wouldn't mind just like more international competition. Like if they just made a third tournament that also featured Korea and China as well, then that's just even better to me. So like I, I, w- I want as much as I can get. Just really briefly, I was going to say, I was going to suggest something uh, uh, very similar. Uh, play for the third seed, uh, like, free spot, uh, and then uh, have one more minor region team. 
Because I think PSG talent could have uh, stood a chance against like our worst teams. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just at a certain point in time, what is the purpose of this turn? You know, like you, it starts to. It's easy to sell me on the idea of like NAU rivalry match or whatever, but I on the rift, some sort of rivalry on the rift uh, match. But I, I think it's, uh, I think it's it starts to get kind of a blurry line where you're like, and then we'll bring one of these other teams over too because we think they're good. Um, I don't. It's just you need to kind of have oh, no, a narrative I mean, around this. Tournament. I meant that for the the impact of the thing would be that who gets to have a third seed at Worlds? We still play in for fourth seed in the in the minor regions brackets, the like play in stage. Gotcha. Not that, not that PSG would be playing in the EU NA. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I misunderstood. Sorry. All right. Well, I don't know uh, if uh, John- Jonathan, you have yeah. anything you'd want to add to this? I mean, I think, I think honestly for me, I'm, I'm pretty, I echo Mark's point a lot of like, I would love to have an event that isn't the like, you, if you win this, you're the best in the world and like nothing else matters. Like, have just like a more like catered exhibition of like here's the here's the vibe it's na versus eu we're gonna talk an unbelievable amount of shit we're gonna make rap videos again like we used to do where we talk a lot of shit like we did during rift rivals and it's gonna be super fun and there's going to be a competitive like implication on world's format so everyone has to take it seriously which will make it way better that sounds sick and i think those kinds of like very focused tournaments that like have a clear purpose are great and something league's been missing because every one of the events we run is always like worlds or msi we're like the whole world's invited who's the best right now and like everything matters it's like well it's going to be the same outcome it usually is maybe someone makes a cool run and it's fun for a little bit and then eventually reality comes back and it's the same group of teams fighting each other for that spot like it usually is yeah well either way uh thank you so much caller for the take we got to uh, kind of speed through because rambled too much in the beginning but uh of, of the show i did i guess but uh thank you for the call anything you want to shout out uh yeah uh mark won something on worlds so we also have a uh, and uh, jonathan just mentioned rap so uh, we have the shies back and uh thank you to alienware <laughs> thank you so much for the call we'll catch you next time all right uh, i can't wait for weibo to win so that way NRG can say that they they lost to the eventual winners and that KT just like how KT and versus IG was the the real world finals and quarters that's what Weibo versus Energy was this year. Dude, 100%. I I totally buy that. Like, oh, sorry, we couldn't beat the the oh, you didn't beat a West, an Eastern team? Yeah, cuz they were the fucking world champions, okay? That's Yeah, like what do you want from us, man? Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> we almost took game one, bro. That could have like that. That could have been big. Yeah, that World game champs? was painful, man. I, we had, we didn't talk. I, I I even posted what the caller was talking about in in the Discord. I was like, does anyone have any worlds takes? And everyone was like, no, nah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> I screenshotted <laughs> it, but I, I, I didn't end up posting it on Twitter. But it's like the entire NA community is over it. I was like, no one wants to talk about game one. Like how with better macro, they could have won that. You know, like that's no, always no, how no it goes. Play. That's always how it goes. Like it's just. NA checks out. Like there was that um, Reddit thread. I think was it today or yesterday? That's like, yo, why is no one talking about JDG as a team? And it's just because people are in the West are checked out. Like <laughs> nobody's everybody's talking about Faker because he's Faker, and then Europe and and North America are like, yeah, we're out. So uh, we'll we'll tune in for finals. Let's see who gets there. You know. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. All right. Off Mark goes to grab the next caller. Uh, we've got, we're going to, I have to figure stuff out with Mark cause I'm probably traveling next Monday night. So we'll, we'll probably do an earlier episode. Um, especially if there's a time to talk about, but I don't know. I don't know how things are going to be looking by then. Uh, 
shout out to uh, Dante Sor, Guy in Chat, uh, Spawn the Caster, Opto, and Monet. Or Monet? I don't know. Either way, thanks everybody for the subs. YouTube, you're quiet over there. All right. I'm looking at you. Chat's slow. There's no uh, super chats. You know what? Why do I stream on YouTube? Maybe I shouldn't. Okay. Uh, we got our next call here. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yeah, this is Mogul, and I'm calling from Washington, D.C. Mogul, what do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about how uh, TL is going to end up losing quite a bit of fandom and likely like reputation within the NA community if they actually end up dropping APA and going another TLCK year. What fandom and reputation? Well, you know, the TL has a pretty big fandom, and I mean, I, I am a TL fan I, as much as I would get criticized online for some reason for saying that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I, half like, memeing. I, I've been a super TL fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm half memeing. I think, especially nowadays, they are probably still second or third most popular team in the league. Um, I just do feel like they've fallen a lot from the highs of, of when they had teams that people were invested in or rosters that people were invested in. And I feel like these days they don't, they don't produce those rosters very much. Uh, they make pretty big, they take pretty big hits on the fandom and the pursuit of competitiveness. And then, I mean, they made worlds this year, so I, I guess that worked out, but I don't feel like that really yeah, got them much. On the back of gonna... who, Travis, on the back of who was it the Koreans? I, I, I don't know if I would say on the back of APA. in halfway through the split. Do you, you feel like AP? Well, I I agree that well, APA did, coming in helped them out a lot. Did he replace again? Did he replace Summit or Pioshik? No, he replaced Harry. I, I will admit he was also from Osh. I I will admit that. I just I don't I don't know if I would consider APA. I don't think APA put. Former world champion Piosik on his back and carried him to worlds. Uh, I would say that Travis, because um, without APA they got eighth place, and with APA they made worlds. So you know what? I'm I've come around to the caller's point. APA uh, is king. I think it's also worth doing the the thing we talked about earlier of like let's rewind and actually look at the context. Like let's look at the the playoff run to see who TL went through to get their run. Right. So they lost to Energy in the first round. And then they beat EG to lock top four. And then they had a very, very, very close best of five with Golden Guardians, who then went off to kind of like fall apart afterwards, right? In another universe where somehow GG wins game five, there's a solid chance that TL loses that series to BDS. And then we have the exact same narrative we had, where GG still burns out and has like a bad time. And the, the, the name plates are just flipped. So like... That's actually I a really interesting thought, yeah. So, like, to a certain extent, I think it's, like, it's obviously they had a great run. They made Worlds, and they made top three. They got to the, the, the finals in New Jersey. So, like, you know, credit to them for, for clutching out that fifth game. But I don't think it's, like, worth going to, like, a million different, like, miles of separation from all of this and being, like, and that's why everything they did was perfect and no one made any mistakes. I think, I don't think they are happy with a world where this whole conceit of this roster was that everyone speaks Korean fluently, and that's, like, the in-game language. And then they have to make a pivot because they're having issues with player performance that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the roster, right? So I don't think they were stoked about that, but obviously APA stepped up and played well. So it made a new story that was exciting, but... You know what? Jonathan, if anything, 
if anything, you just made an even better point for APA. He couldn't even speak the same language as his jungler and the rest of his team. They showed the player comms from one of those team fights at mid where rough. <laughs> they, they don't say anything to him except one time Jan's like, good job, APA. And then they go right back to all speaking Korean. Imagine how good this guy will be on a team where he can actually speak the same language. Yeah, Another and point think, for the caller. Yeah, and I don't think it's like, I don't think it's ever super simple, right? Like, I think there's a total world where TL could have just like rebuilt this roster around APA and build a, you know, bring in a bunch of like journeyman players to try and like reinforce what they had and it could go great. But there's also a world where we saw some of APA's weaknesses at Worlds and other places where he was just struggling individually and that could happen again. So it's like, I don't think it's ever black or white or one way or the other. And that's like, that's the struggle of it all is there's no right answer. And that's why so many people take the fat loss pill and are like, fuck it. This is the highest chance of us winning now. We don't know what's going to happen in the other alternative world. Let's just live the simple truth of trying to win now. Yeah, I, I wish fandom kind of follows whatever team is interesting enough. Like you just need a story and you're good. I wish that I, I, I agree with the caller that team liquid will continue. A, I, I would just phrase it as team liquid will continue a trend of losing fandom and losing, um, quite frankly, just folks cheering for them in general. If their answer to this year is, well, let's see how many more import players can we like cram into this this bus? You know, like we've got impact, great. That frees up another spot for us to bring over another player from another region. We, you know, our problem in twenty twenty two. We just didn't Korea hard enough, or 2023. We just didn't Korea hard enough. We need to figure out an even better way to Korea harder in 2024. And I, I wish like they're all talented players. I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything against anybody who speaks Korean or anything. People will try to try to twist this shit whenever I talk about it. But I, I would love to see them come out and say something I know they won't say, which is, "Hey, everyone, for a long time we've tried to take the fat loss pill." and try to just grab top talent, and then we rotate them out. We've now gotten to a point where... Can you think about this? If Impact comes in, think about their top lane position. They all have just done a full wheel. No one cares. Every year. The boomerang came back, they threw it out, and it came back again. You know what? <laughs> you you talking about this has changed my mind again. You're, you're saying the problem is like, oh, TLCK 2.0 korea harder the problem was that they they believed in in young talent you know they brought yawn and harry that was the problem so they'll keep they they'll should. keep po6 then and summit yeah no no you you bring an impact because he is he can speak korean so then you can get another import slot for mid lane so now you keep or you get umpty i don't care you know you get four koreans yeah harry and yawn can speak korean but they didn't play in the LCK. You need LCK imports. That's that's what we learned. Showmaker, perfect. Bring him over. Did you see Pioshek talking to Showmaker and selling him on the LCS? Showmaker has felt so much pressure these days playing in the L LCK. Um, he's going to feel so relaxed here in North America. But like, All right. are we cutting budgets? Can we even afford Showmaker right now? I don't think Team... I mean, Team Liquid's one of the teams I think that will probably still be above the average of spending in the LCS. Travis, I, I initially, I was with the APA call. Now I'm back on the other side of it. You made me think about it more. What failed this year was not the Korea part of TLCK. It was the young talent part. And I don't think we should invest in them. Wow. Mark. 
Mark, you changed, man. What we've all learned is that Mark is <laughs> going to be a new team owner. He's the one that's buying uh, one of these two teams because he he is excited to to drop any kind of hope or desire to invest in domestic talent. Mark wants to slam that slot machine as fast as he can to get new play, new big name players from other regions into. I'm, I'm gonna go around to all the VC firms I can, asking for a couple more shekels to slot into the machine and keep pulling that lever. Mark, isn't it? I don't. If you're Team Liquid, how are you not exhausted of this at this point in time? Ninety percent of gamblers give up before they hit it big. Travis, you think Team Liquid's about to give up? No, Steve's gonna keep pulling the, it's the, the so slot machine. It's so exhausting. Like he's about to hit it big and win worlds. You just don't Travis, get it. Travis, I don't know. I don't know how Team Liquid fans aren't exhausted at this point in time. Like it's just so. It's every year. Okay, no, never mind, guys. Like we've got Jack's on board. Jack says they, yeah, they Jack made has- it to worlds. It's working. You know what hasn't worked? Believing in NA talent. Jonathan, what do you think of uh, Mark's most recent statement? I will say, from like the just the purely the caller's point of like they will lose fandom if they don't commit to APA and like the domestic talent thing. I disagree with that because I think as long as you build a roster that has a story to it and you are a popular enough brand already, that's enough. People will attach to that. They'll find one or two players whose play they really like or stream. They'll find something to attach to, and that's how you get them in. But I think from like a longevity perspective, there's only so much of this like this rabbit hole that you can go down before eventually you just hit bedrock and there's nowhere left for you to go. And I think that's like the mark point of like you get impact, you load up as many Korean speakers from from LCK as you can, and you just keep running it over and over until it either works or it completely explodes. And like you can do that. You could totally do that. Would I advise it? No, it's probably going to cost a lot of money. And like obviously TL, they made it to Worlds and they had a good run, but like, Fuck, it was kind of it was touch and go there a lot. Like there was a lot of times where they weren't looking good. They no, they didn't have going. a good year. I don't think they had a good year. I'll just I say it. Like the, the majority of their sure. year, like think about the majority of their year. They had like a, a a good and I'm not trying to say they didn't deserve to go to the worlds. They deserve to go to the worlds. They did what they needed to do. Good on them. But like they had like one month of good shit, right? <laughs> Which is basically summer playoffs. And then and they they got in to worlds and then everything was terrible after that everything was terrible before it everything was terrible after that and like that that was team liquid's experience in 2023 yeah i mean if you look at our trajectory it wasn't completely dissimilar like we had a really rough start but like ours was like the it was like one of those graphs where like it was up and down a lot but like the trend line is slowly still going up but like it was not a smooth ride and i think a lot of teams are in that boat where like things click and then they find a new problem. That's now their kryptonite and then they kind of drop and then they have to resolve the problem. You guys were up and to the right for the most part the whole year. Yeah, but it was, it was tumultuous. Yeah. I'm not, look, I'm not saying (laughs) that everybody has this like smooth path to worlds. Like I guess if you're JDG, yes. But I do think that like, I do think it's crazy that the takeaway from this year for team liquid is, Maybe, maybe we don't know yet. Maybe we got to do this again, but just slightly different. You know, like let's just let's just try it again. Reroll. I mean, I guess so, to the alternative point, Travis. What roster do you think you can even put together? Because like, in a, assuming a world where all the Korean players, their contracts are like they just all completely explode their contract. They're like, you know, I I don't want to play in the LCS anymore. These rates are too low for me. I'm out. And you go into full rebuild, and you have APA and Yun. What can you do? to build something compelling and exciting for the average TL fan that feels like they're going to get to worlds again, no matter what. 
So pick up all of pick up all of disguised. I mean, th- yes, that's actually one option. I think another thing that I would say is like maybe you don't need to tell them. Maybe the message doesn't need to be, "Hey guys, we're going back to worlds no matter what in 2024." Maybe what you say is like, "You you go you're." I mean, you, Jonathan, you just told me basically the story of how when you went to CLG, you were like, guys, I don't know if this is going to work right away, but I think we can build something compelling. And yeah. then you went forth and had a team that basically, you know, it was the best performing Western team at Worlds this year using using your methodology over time. And right. I think it is okay for Team Liquid to say, look, we like the foundation of APA or, you know, maybe you keep Core. I don't know. Maybe Core's a coach or something like that. And you say, we're going to build for the long term rather than just rolling the slot machine every year. And and that's what you do. And it's not the end of the world if you get fourth and lose, you know, in uh, in at the whatever that little event was beforehand with uh, EO, whatever they called it, the pre world's uh, cocktail hour, the world's um, qualifying series, the qualifying series. Yeah, they always something's always a some sort of thing. Ha- happy hour. Yeah, world's the happy hap- hour. world pre- world's ha- world's. <laughs> Pre-World's Happy Hour. Apps, uh, apps are 50% off. Yes. But Travis, yeah. I, I agree. If I was if I was in the position of TL right now, I probably would look to do something like that, right? I think they've kind of gone really far down this rabbit hole, and it's kind of hard to just, like, get out and be back at ground level with everyone else. Like, you got to do some digging out. But the conceit of that process is you have to be completely willing to just be bad and, like, not be competitive and have a really tough year. And TL has made, like, a brand on... We are always competitive. We are always in the playoffs. We are always a team that's in the playoff picture and is a contender for Worlds. And that's kind of been like their bread and butter. So to deviate from that is actually terrifying. And I get it. I I, I will... Okay, no cap here. No longer memeing. I agree with kind of the caller in the sense that like there are people who became TL fans this year because of APA and Yawn and some of the like surprise and flash and zazzle of his champion pool and the fact that he rallied this team... But the broader fandom from Team Liquid that has persisted year over year has been what he's saying, where they are the big spenders, they are the favorites, they are the like professionally run, you know, we're gonna have the best of the best. And like that's that's the the image that they kind of sell to the fans that that probably persist year after year. I mean, a lot of them probably left when Double If left, sure. Like you're not quite the same fandom you were when you actually were dominating nonstop, but you are selling this idea that like if you're a Team Liquid fan we're always going to swing for the fences and that's who we are. And like, if you deviate from that, then yeah, you know, maybe you can keep the, the fans that signed on this year, but you're going to lose the like longer term identity that you've had thus far. My favorite thing about what's happening just now that has nothing to do with the conversation we're happening, having is that someone in my chat on YouTube is complaining that there aren't timestamps for this episode of hotline league <laughs> that they're watching. Dude, you're so fucking lazy live I on can't YouTube. You would not do that. Travis. That's fucking and- they just don't realize it's live because they're so used to just clicking the button over there and watching the VOD. Oh, it's going to take. It's kind of rude that you lied though and, Dude, and the, told them that this was an episode when it was still live. The YouTube, the YouTube uh, audience is going to take a little bit to level up and catch up to the Twitch chat. I think it's going to be great. All right. Um, anyway, I think this. I think. Look, I. I really let me just say this. I really like the Team Liquid brand. I have been called. A like Team Liquid shill. Everyone is like, "Oh, Travis is like the Team Liquid guy. He's in the the Team Liquid camp." Blah 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 blah. Um, I was wearing Team Liquid socks that they gave me whenever uh, Team Liquid uh, lost. So I I like the brand um, and I I like what they do. I 
I just don't. I I disagree fundamentally with the way that they have been handling their roster stuff every year, and I feel like every year they do the same thing they did last year, and it's it's like really exhausting. And I I would love to see them go, carve a different path, even though I know that this is like who they are, and they don't they can't stop themselves, you know. So I don't know. Anyway, if I, if I could just respond to that real quick. If sure. you are going to import someone, import another guy like Core JJ. Someone who's actually going to level up the league and stays here, kind of like Berserker has been this entire time. Like, get another one. That's what you need. <laughs> I don't. Really I don't. I I appreciate the sentiment, but I don't think it's just like going into fucking Costco and being like, "Hi, I got one of these uh, six Bro, or seven just, years just ago." Just get another one off the shelf. It's not that hard. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. The same it's store. not how it works. The other thing, by the way. Forgiving. The other thing is that you pretend that it's it's always the player when oftentimes it's the team that drops these guys, you know? Like like Bwipo came over here and he stuck around with Team Liquid even when he wasn't playing. You know, it wasn't Bwipo's decision, I think, not to play. You know, he he is exactly the type of person you're talking about. And the it, it was the team that didn't run him back. So I don't think I don't think it always works the way that you you perhaps perceive it to. I think Showmaker will stay a long time. I'm going to move to Valorant. All right. Anyway, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Um, shout out to Alienware, who is, I think, still also a Teal sponsor along with your sponsor, right, Travis? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Alienware. That's really all I got. Great. See you later. All right. We've got one more caller to go. Thank you to Boba Cola for 74 months. Holy moly. Uh, Dajid. Haru, Shaki62, Game or GF. Thank you for the subs. And over on YouTube, it looks like uh, Twitch is still crushing you guys. Absolute silence over there. Interesting. All right. Uh, we've got Stormblessed here. Fantastic name. Where are you calling from? Thank you for calling out my name. Uh, I'm calling about MS. I feel that everyone is very, very quick to harp on MS, but I believe that basically. <laughs> Every team that does not have JoJo and Palafox should be at least looking into picking up MS, barring, and this might be why I'm sick, from huffing this copium, barring that he's fixed his attitude issues mostly. <laughs> uh, where, 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 did, we, did I ask you where you're calling in from? Maybe. Uh, I'm from uh, Salt Lake County, Utah. Okay. Well, I love I love the optimism. I just wanted to kind of Google if there's like a gas leak over there. Okay, so why don't you elaborate? Why do you why do you feel this level of confidence? And also, by the way, your barring thing is a funny, very funny caveat. Well, we're, by the way, we're going to set aside the fact that he said he's going to go do military service. I believe that's what what I've heard people say. He did he tweet that? I don't know, but whatever. It's he I, tweeted it, but it was with a Pepe kind image, of, kind so of like it's hard a, to know. Okay, yeah. He tweeted it, but I'm pretty sure it was a meme. I, okay. I, from everything I know, I'm pretty okay. sure it's a meme. Sure, sure, sure. So let's let's just say for the t- sake of argument, it's a meme. So so go ahead and elaborate on this. Okay, sorry, I lost myself a bit. Elaborate yeah. on one again. Yeah, you're. I was asking you what. Why do you want to elaborate on why you feel this way about MS? Because despite uh, the few games that he has solo lost i do admit that those have happened 
that he has looked better than almost every mid and has hired highs while still being a low cost. As far as I know, at C9, he did not get paid well at all. And <laughs> being a r- close to rookie, despite being in the background. I don't know why. I just love the way you're like, he did not get paid well at all. Um, all right. What do you think of him versus Insanity? Caller? I think Insanity is pretty decent. I think MS still has potential to be better. Okay. But you think, do you feel like MS was better than Insanity this year? Hmm. At points, definitely. But near to the end, when I think he was trying to change his, uh, play style to be a bit more tempo oriented, bit less carry. Uh, I feel that probably about even, but I feel like insanity is closer to the top as well. Okay. This is mainly for most of the upper mid tier teams. Uh, and not so the top of the top. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, it sounds like from your rankings, it sounds like, and MNS is at best kind of like middle of the pack. Is that fair? Because it sounds like you, you have him at most of the time at like fourth place. Third, fourth. Yes, about third or fourth. All right. Um, and you think he was better than APA, it sounds like. Mm, generally, yes. Okay. I look at MNS and I think, okay, this guy was put on a roster that where he, he, I, I think almost everybody who goes to C9 looks better than when they leave C9. Um, it, it feels like a general rule of thumb, uh, especially shortly thereafter, you know, like licorice has built back up, but for instance, he was a great example of somebody who looked a lot better. Uh, Zazel, I think has had a tough time, et cetera, et cetera. And so in my mind, whatever C9 systems, uh, or quite frankly, probably just the fact that they're playing with something like blabber, um, I think that 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 really helps buoy a a mid laner in particular up the the rankings. So in my mind, like at best, I think that MNS is like middle of the pack in a pretty weak mid lane pool. Quite frankly, I don't feel like LCS had like this super strong mid lane pool this year. And I think we're seeing that play out in off season as. GMs and team owners are panicking to try to figure out who to place in these these positions. When he came to Cloud9, people were very aware of his personality struggles and his behavioral issues in the past. And we were kind of assured that this was not going to happen now, it was going to be better, etc. It does not seem like even if it was better that it was like resolved based off of how things went this year. And so if I'm like a person on a team who is thinking is looking at my roster and is like I have to put a I have to use a, an import slot on this player and they seem to be pretty chaotic and they probably looked better on that roster than the look on mine I don't see any reason why I would be like oh yeah this is the guy for me is I guess what I would say Travis why why are you playing armchair GM when we have a GM on the call because well a former GM to be clear yeah, I guess washed. he's an armchair GM now as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mark. It's over for me. Mark, let's just say I'm as much a GM as John is tonight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. 
Just kidding. Jeez. <laughs> um, so, 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 well, yeah, Jonathan, well, you would run MS right now, right? If you could. So here's the thing I, I talked about it before of like the test you need to pass for me to be like excited to put you in as an import player on a team that I work on. Are you like a revolutionary top three in your role, gonna stick around for three years, peace? And if you don't pass that test, it's like, it's a, it's a hard ask, you know? Like you need to really be like above a lot of the domestic talent. And I don't think he necessarily passes that test. I will say from like seeing him at LCS every day, he would literally go on days where his team either wasn't playing or like, you know, he had an early game and he would sit in the studio and watch the whole day. Like he is like an LCS super fan. So I think like as far as attitude is, is concerned for like interest in staying here, if he had a team that was exciting for him, I'm sure he would probably be down to stay. But obviously for me, at least the the ability to like move pieces around like that drops dramatically when you lose import slots because the world starts to kind of shrink. So like if you have, you know, two import slots already locked, the world is no longer accessible to you except for replacing those two import players. So for me it's like I always try and keep pieces as like open as I can so that when I do choose to like move a player, I'm not restricting myself. So I probably would kind of like caution against it, but like I think for the right team that's like in need of someone like him, it could actually be a decent way to like have a journeyman player that helps level up your players if, if they're going to be surrounded with like younger players. But I don't think it's like a slam dunk or anything like that. I think so. Uh, so do uh, you I, think that? Oh, sorry. Hold on. Mark, this. Mark, uh, go yeah. for it. I was just going to say, I think based on what Jonathan said there, I think there's also maybe another world where. You've built out most of your roster, and as Travis was saying earlier in the call, people aren't super thrilled about the mid lane prospects right now, and maybe there's not one that um, you see a long-term future with either who isn't a North American talent. And so at that point, you have a slot open, let's say hypothetically, with your uh, import slots, and you don't have another North American prospect you believe in long-term. Short-term for a year, maybe Eminem is a better fill just um, from a a skill level, because I do agree that he is... While I, I, I agree with the question of how good he is outside of the C9 systems in air quotes, um, you know, I do think that there's at least enough talent there to make me interested. He's dominated Academy. He went because like there's more to his career than just when he was on the C9 main roster. He has dominated a lot of the minor regions that he's played in. He's dominated Academy. He's clearly shown that he is oftentimes a step up over those places um, when he's in a good environment. So hopefully you can give him a good environment. And like Jonathan said, he is very uh, happy to be in the LCS. Um, and he's really funny on camera. So biased wise for entertainment, I enjoy having him here. Um, so I do hope he, he gets an opportunity, but I, I definitely wouldn't like, y- you know, to Jonathan's point, hurt any long-term plans or uh, sell the farm for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of like the cynical view you kind of have to have sometimes. Cause like, you're not going to always have the slam dunk roster right here, right now where it's all going to work out and you just need the best player in all five slots to make it happen. Like sometimes you're just going to have to accept like a slight gamble on an, on a younger piece or like someone who maybe doesn't quite fit, but gives you the ability to like make a change later without feeling like super restricted because maybe you take an NA mid that doesn't have a ton of experience and you can kind of see the growth, but like all of a sudden your bot lane is like no longer wanting to play together or, or like a contract dispute comes up or maybe someone decides to retire spontaneously and you have to like, you have to plug those holes on your ship. If you're down an import slot, it gets harder to do that if you ever want to take that next jump up in like competitiveness to try and like make a make a run for like a trophy or a title or a world spot or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a tough prospect, but I think like 
to to counter the the narrative that we've kind of been hearing a little bit of teams being concerned about mid, I do think there are good mid prospects. But to kind of like the point that's kind of been like the narrative for the whole show, if you want to do pl like pal like player development and talent development, you have to be willing to lose. Like it has to be okay for your team to not be top three. And if that's not the world you're living in, it's going to be really hard to bring those young players in and have them actually be set up for success. Mm -hmm. My main question I wanted to ask was, do you think now with generally the, the amount of money that's going towards all of this, if importing a top three talent is at all a feasible thing, uh, and if some, someone like MS or those other kind of more prospect talents are, I mean, prospect imports are more worth it, You're asking Jonathan? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think the struggle is like back in the old days, the, the kind of lay of the land was those like outlier contracts we talked about before when we talked about like the average salaries. Most of those outliers were you're like, this guy could be a top three player in the league import from like Europe or Korea or wherever that you think is going to come in and make an insane splash and be like your, your, your guy effectively. And that was like your 700,000 plus contracts that we would hear reported on and being like, oh my God, they're paying him how much? That's crazy. Those were the players. I think most of those players probably would not come here if the money was significantly lower. And the only pieces we would get are the ones who have kind of like run out of options in their local league or aren't happy with the level of like the, the local offers. And they're kind of like exploring an alternative. So I think those players tend to be the like the boomerang players that you kind of see where they don't really have anything going for them back at home. And so they just take a split in LCS with like a slightly higher than average salary compared to what they would get back home and to see like, is the grass greener? Can I make like enough of a, a ripple here that when I go back home, it's better. Or maybe I make a career here. Like they're kind of just like trying to open up extra paths for their career. Cause they're not sure where they're at. Those players you could likely still get, but I think those like big, big names that are going to have to like risk leaving like a top three world's contender from their domestic leagues are likely not going to come here unless someone is paying them a very real amount of money or putting them on a team that's like it's guaranteed lock for worlds no matter what and even then nothing's guaranteed so like grain of salt on anyone who who's, gives you that sales pitch yeah all right uh thank you so much Stormblast, for the call really do appreciate the the name are you reading through uh the most recent book sunlit or did you have you finished uh yet? It depends on what I'm planning to do with my wife. Uh, we were initially going to listen to it, but our listening to it time has diminished. So I don't know yet. Yeah, well, I'm I not think finished. The, the narrator for it is great. I'm I'm many hours into it and really enjoying it. So um, I'm going to be on, on a panel actually discussing it at at his Dragonsteel event. So I don't know if you'll be there. Nice. Hopefully, I hope to be there. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Uh. I'd like to shout out Cloud9. I'd like to shout out Jack. I really like the team. I've been primarily a fan of them since I've started in 2020. Uh, I'd like to shout out MNS. Been a huge fan of his streams. Been a huge fan of seeming his work ethic and his excitement to be here. Uh, and I'd like to shout out you guys and your sponsor, Alienware. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Hey, actually, that's a quick question for you guys. When was the last time C9 made in an offseason more than two a two-player switch? I feel like they make they make very incremental changes. You count this Ven like roll swap as like a, a change? I guess, but not really. 
Because like technically that was... that's like the closest you could get is like him roll swapping plus bringing in a new AD. Yeah, but that was even split still because they used Winsome for the first one. So it was two in the yeah. bot lane, and then but Fudge. If you don't count uh, that, it's it's definitely been a while. Wait, who was their mid then? Fudge went mid, right? That oh yeah. right, they have summit. So that was that was three. Okay, that's fair, I guess. I think um, I think uh, yeah. Jack says Blabber going on his seventh year now. Yeah, when you have one but player that's not been all there for that seven has been years, that kind of makes it hard to do more than two changes at once. <laughs> yeah, I just think. Um, on the on the LCS side, it's it's uh, I do a lot of being frustrated with teams for the how much they rotate their rosters around or whatever. But I wonder how much of C9's success is based off of the fact that they like if if nothing changes and everything that's been reported is true, we will see just two swaps, right? Which is uh, JoJo and Vulcan. They'll have Fudge, Blabber, Berserker keeping that core and. I think a lot about how NRG did well this year by keeping their core. And I think EG has done really well in the last couple of years from keeping some, something of a core or whatever, building off of that. And I I wish we saw more of that because I think it's, it's something that perhaps could be part of why these teams have been able to find success. Isn't EG literally blowing up, says Saint? Yes. And they didn't make it to Worlds this year. I was talking more sounds about... Like, sounds when, like the right move. When if they've they made had Worlds, su- don't blow up. I was talking more about when they've had success, they've done it by inc- making incremental changes. All right. Um, all right. I think that is the show. Mark Zimmerman, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to plug? Uh, nothing again. I don't have anything going on, man. Well, it's a little sad. True facts. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, here, I will tell you this, Mark. I think I'm on a plane this time next week. So we might have to do the show on like Sunday night, which would feel really bad because I'd be packing uh, that night. But I mean, I, I assume there's going to be enough. I don't think it makes sense for us to wait until after League World Finals and free agency starts for us to do the show. So maybe we just see how things are looking by Sunday if we feel like there's enough to talk about. Sure, sounds good. But are you are you I assume you're free on Sunday if that needs to happen? Yeah, I mean I'm pretty much not doing much, I don't think, until like Thanksgiving time rolls around and I'm yeah. going home for a little bit. I know. I just know that you have some sometimes where you, you're like, Oh, I'm going to Disneyland or I'm go, I'm girl and yeah. I got some, the fiance and I have something that's going on or something. The Francois and I know I don't think there's anything going on. All right. Um Really quickly, I will before I give uh, Jonathan his shout out. I will shout out Director Donut Norvek and Insek Bob for the subs over on YouTube, and Ruby C for becoming a or for continuing to be a member on the YouTube channel, and uh, Coca Cola Cabala Coca Cola. Thank you for the fifty Swedish kroner. I don't know what that in, in, equals in U.S. dollars. I'm going to pretend it's a huge amount, and I'm rich now. Uh, Jonathan. Where can people find your resume and your contact information for employment opportunities? Yeah, I think Twitter is probably the the best way to just get in because otherwise I have to kind of give my personal email, which yeah. is maybe not ideal to throw out into the world. Sure. So Twitter is probably the best bet, as you can see above, above my head right up here somewhere. 
up here at Comic Cause Platypus. It's the dumbest ad ever, but you know, Xbox Live does crazy things to a person, and I'm kind of stuck with it. Um, that would be the best bet. And you are open to consulting, I assume, and all those I'm types of things. I'm open to opinions? anything, bro. I gotta okay. pay rent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, I do need a visa to work in the U.S., which is an extra little asterisk next to everything. Yeah. Well, uh, either way, thank you for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I know we, we poked fun and, and took things pretty light around your, your departure from the team, but I think, one, you did a great job of building uh, a roster of players that people have really enjoyed watching and have found a lot of success, and it's been it's been great. And I know that you were, um, you were also... Uh, a pretty big role in some of the development of players over on Golden Guardians before then, so it, it's been great. And I really hope that you find something, uh, and and if you don't find something in the near future, that you can at least chill and relax and have a, a nice little break um, while we figure out what's next. So thank you for that. For everyone else, thanks for watching. Really appreciate it. We'll have some more content coming out on the YouTube channel. Uh, I have had some some folks asking, hey, you know, sometimes Travis, these videos come out a little bit late. Part of that is just us pacing the content out on the YouTube channel so that we don't drop four videos on one day and none for five days afterwards. Um, that has to do as much with the YouTube algorithm as it does with uh, the the need to just make sure that folks are able to get content every day. Um, but yeah, we'll have some good stuff coming. On. I'm going to go over to Worlds for finals, it sounds like. The ink has not been signed on that deal, but unless something falls apart last minute, we should be good. Um, and thank you everyone for one watching. I, I know I give YouTube some shit, but thanks everybody over on YouTube as well for watching. So it's been Hotline League. We'll see you probably Sunday.